Well, hello everyone and welcome to a very special episode of the Literally Me podcast. Today we have the special Barbenheimer episode. I'm going to talk about both Barbie and Oppenheimer, which came out just a couple of days ago. And we both had a chance to watch these amazing films. And that's what this episode is going to be all about. We're not going to talk about anything else, just those two banger films get right into it and i got a little we're using a new uh platform as well so i they give us little sound effects and applause can you hear that or is it just on my end i can't hear any applause so it might okay just be then i then i just look like a dumbass there there were people <laughs> cheering when we started the episode <laughs> maybe i'll hear it when i edit it and i'll have your yeah i hope so then. i hope so yeah, that would be interesting to figure out because before that we recorded on Zoom and then it just kicked us out after 40 minutes. So we had to stitch episodes together and make breaks, but now we can just. Yeah, go here at Literally Me, we are very anti Zoom and we want them yep. to know that. Yep. <laughs> they ruined the last couple of episodes with their. They, they kind of have, yeah. Yep. But yep. we have good things to talk about today, though, Hell with. Yeah. Uh, Probably the most anticipated film weekend that I can remember probably in my lifetime. Hell yeah. And I mean, this was a very special day because the movies already made so much money and my theaters mm. were packed. Oh, was yeah, it the same, same for you? Same. Hell yeah. So people are going and there's no excuse. Like, I think people are just bored because the last couple of weeks there were some movies that bombed that flopped really hard and people were, mm-hmm. said oh no one's interested interested in going to the cinema anymore but we can see that people are interested in good films 100 percent, and it shows how good the marketing of this was as well like i don't think either barbie and we could get into this get into this later but i think the fact that they did go out on the same weekend literally helped raise both of them higher in terms 100%. of sales helped of both films yeah. And it's not it, what I like about it. It wasn't a Barbie versus Oppenheimer. It was Barbie yeah. and Oppenheimer. People weren't comparing exactly them, being like, "Oh, I'm just gonna see this one." People are like, "Oh, I, I want to see both." And that's yeah, just exactly. It was a cool like double feature thing that they were able to able to do. Yeah, man. Well, tell me. Tell I I, I I'm curious now because everyone has their own experience, and and we should get right into it, like we said, but. What was your Barbenheimer movie-going experience? Which one did you pick first? Which one did you see? How far? Same day? What What was your What was your process? So I did manage to watch both on the same day because in a previous episode I mentioned that I've never watched two movies in the cinema on mm-hmm. the same day. And that was a dream of mine. I always wanted to do that. So what better day to pick than this one? Yeah, it's and not for you. Very fortunate the the theater I always go to, they open sooner than they usually would because normally they don't open before like I think 5 or 6 p.m. Uh-huh. But they open at I think 1 p.m. already so people c- can do the double feature so they have enough time. Um, Is that just during the week or at all times they always open you said at 5 or 6 p.m.? I think it's every day. They usually oh, only wow. open at night because people only go at night sometimes they they're open sooner but for this one specifically they opened a lot sooner interesting Um, 
that was very cool so i did manage to finally watch two movies on the same day in the cinema and that was very great so i picked barbie first mm-hmm. we watched barbie at around 2 p.m and then we had i think three hours before oppenheimer so okay. the theater is in a mall but it's in switzerland so it's very expensive mm-hmm. and we had enough time to just go to a different mall in germany um, uh-huh. and then get some get some uh, lunch in go back and then watch Oppenheimer. So that yeah. was my schedule like heck yeah what about you i so i also saw barbie first um and this was it was kind of upsetting first because i saw barbie on thursday evening when it came out mm-hmm. um like a seven o'clock or seven thirty screening and then i couldn't go see oppenheimer until sunday mm-hmm. um which I, I was so bummed. I'm like, I want to see them both like right away, um, yeah. like ASAP. But I had to wait. Just friends were busy or working or whatever, so we had to wait until Sunday. But it was pretty cool getting getting to see that. Well, it was super packed on Thursday evening. It was equally packed on Sunday afternoon slash evening when I went again. Like it really showed the entire weekend was just completely completely like just packed with people and it was a it was a pretty cool cool thing to to see but yeah i did did barbie first had some a few days to decompress and prepare myself for oppenheimer Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's only only been about 12 hours actually since i left the theater for oppenheimer i just wanted to say yeah i don't think you got enough time to fully process oppenheimer (laughs) i know i haven't stopped thinking about it it was just saw it in my dreams all night (laughs) Same for me, like I saw it on Thursday, but uh-huh. both these films are just in my head constantly still, so I don't think now, it's gonna in, Yeah, in hindsight, after seeing both, are you happy you saw Barbie first and then Oppenheimer, or do you wish you would have done it the other way around? Nope, I'm very happy, because people told me, there were a couple of people who did it the other way around, and they said, oh, this is yeah. the way to go. Like, yeah. Oppenheimer first and then Barbie. But I'm glad I watched it the other way around because now everyone told me, oh, you did the right thing. Because, you know, after seeing Oppenheimer, I don't think you're, you want to do anything except for going home and just being depressed and sad. Exactly. Exactly. Well, which probably could help you to to cheer up your mood, but I'm glad. And I I think that that's what what everyone was saying too, because they're like, it's going to be so depressing seeing um, seeing Oppenheimer that you'll need a pick me up afterwards. Yeah. But um, also, I kind of like the fact that I saw Oppenheimer second because it, it. It. I mean, I think either way, it would have been a movie that would have kind of like stayed in my mind and mm-hmm. I would continue to think about. But I think the fact that there isn't that. Um, that like Barbie screening to sort of wash me and decompress me. I now Oppenheimer is going to be even just more fresh and more intense in my mind. I think when I think about it, absolutely. But it's it's really crazy both films. So I guess some some just behind the scenes stuff or just the box office stuff before we get into the actual movie. But so far, Barbie's done three hundred thirty seven million in the first weekend worldwide. Um, off, uh huh. Worldwide. So the budget was like what one hundred and fifty 
Yeah, it says the budget was between one twenty-eight and one forty-five. Um, and marketing so bo- was like one twenty, one fifty. I heard. So they probably just broke even. Like with that three something, they probably just broke even. In three days, that is impressive. Yeah, and then Oppenheimer, a hundred million dollar budget with one hundred seventy-four point two million box office, um, worldwide box office. Um, and I was reading something. I think that one also has to do like three, almost four hundred million in order to be to be profitable as well. Won't um, be a problem. I just feel bad for Mission Impossible. They picked the worst. Dude, I was thinking about I was thinking about that earlier today because I was super hype on on checking it out. I even watched rewatched the first Mission Impossible after our last episode, and I was planning on going through. But then already my hype for Barbie and especially Oppenheimer came in. So I started watching some Nolan shit, some other like mm-hmm. kind of adjacent shit instead. And I completely forgot. Now I probably won't go back and I probably won't even go see it in theaters now if I'm yeah, just being real. Uh, it had a 63% drop off. So really? Is... I Did it come out the, the 14th then? Like exactly the week prior? Yeah. I think a couple of days okay. before, before that. They wanted people oh, to give people more time to watch an IMAX because now every IMAX is just playing Oppenheimer. Yeah. Which yeah. has Tom Cruise uh, furious and yeah. I I mean I I, I would be too, I guess. Yeah. But also you gotta you gotta understand the lay of the land and what's going on, you know. Yeah. And the world does not revolve around Tom, unfortunately. Yeah, they either either should have make it come out even sooner or just waited maybe a month or yeah. two, but it's yeah. it's tough. It's how, and I'm curious to know. I'm gonna look that up now. I'm curious to know how, um, how that one did in comparison. Is that that's uh, Dead Reckoning Part One? Dead correct? Reckoning Part One. Yeah. I mean, it's but done. It, it's Jesus. Like, there's this budget was huge. Yeah, almost three hundred million dollar budget. How much did it make so far? Three hundred and seventy million. It's made box office. Okay. Well, that's not too bad. Could... It's not too bad, but they're definitely going to be in the red for a while. Yep. That's crazy. That That is a huge budget. Wow. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to um, say, I hope not too loud because there's thunder outside. Right now I have my window open, so... Oh, you no, can... I, don't, I, don't, I don't hear it at all. Okay. I might just close uh, it just in case. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that is that is absolutely insane. And I know... I'm curious to know has Tom Cruise come out and um and uh and said anything about this actually or is he is he actually like out here like upset? I'm sure he is, but has he like vocalized that to like the public? Not to the public. He even said he's excited for both those films and he uh-huh. just loves that two films are coming out and people can check out, but a, 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 there was a report that he is very pissed and he tried to to get like a couple IMAX theaters to play his movie even longer mm-hmm. but to the public he just said praise to both films yeah which because he's, not- he, he's a stand-up guy yeah and it's no one's fault if anything it's it's the studios who made Mission Impossible yeah. it's their fault for choosing this time to put it out yeah. um, especially I think seeing all the hype around Barbenheimer I mm-hmm. feel like you gotta just as a studio, you kind of be like, look, we, we're just going to have to swallow this L 
and just change the release date. Like, literally push it to, like, October. Who is it hurting by pushing it back, like, two, three months? Plus, you can't compete compete with Barbenheimer. There's just no way. There's another movie, They Clone Tyrone, which came out on Netflix. Yes, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. after, completely swallowed. No one's talking about it, which is a shame. I watched it. It was great, but yeah. you can't. You was can't. that... Was that film, was that shot on film? Because I saw it pop up on Netflix and all the stills looked real gritty. Mm-hmm. I think I sent you the trailer because... Yeah, okay. Because it looks super familiar and I, I remember we had talked about it, but I'm like, this looks, yeah. I got to check yeah. that one out. But yeah, it is a shame because like, what do you think would be like the last, like the last film that's come Where I can't hear you anymore. Oh, wait, what just happened? I couldn't hear you anymore. Oh, it just cut out for a sec. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now, yeah. Okay, I think I maybe just had a glitch in my Wi-Fi or something okay. over here on my end. Um, okay, well, at least we have the audio track, so we can, <laughs> we can cut sure. that out now. Um, okay, I'm just going to re-ask that question, so we'll cut all this out. Mm-hmm. What What do you think like was the last film that had like this big of like a marketing like aura behind it like before this interesting because i feel question. like i feel like the first thing that comes to mind is honestly like that bird box movie with sandra bullock where mm-hmm. everyone was talking about it because it became a meme yeah i think infinity war and endgame probably those were like a big event, but I'm actually not sure. I, I it can't was remember. a huge event because like, doesn't event like the last Avengers have like one of the highest box office like num like behind like Avatar and Titanic like up there. I think Avatar and Endgame are always like every time one of the films re releases the other okay. one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, because those were huge, but I feel like they didn't even even Avatar, something that was huge. I feel like the marketing was not even like like this is like just Next all time. different. Like, yep. yeah, which I, it's funny that Avatar would absolutely blow both of these out of the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, only time will tell. Like, this is truck, especially Barbie is fucking trucking. Mm-hmm. Like already at almost four hundred million, and it's been out for four days. I think it's the second fastest after endgame i could be wrong here but i read something i believe like, that it's gonna make a shit ton of money yeah um and and rightfully so and it's a lot of people it's been funny seeing on instagram like the people when they put up the comparison between the two box offices mm-hmm. and there's all these just film bros in the comments who are like it's because barbie is for girls and yep. like it's it's commercial and oppenheimer isn't commercial it's like, first off, Oppenheimer is very commercial. Like, Warner Brothers made that shit. Like, they had a $200 million. It's commercial. So, yep. Like, that's a commercial-ass movie. Um, but, like, the thing to keep in mind is Barbie has almost twice as many screenings because it's half as long. That's true. That's one thing people need to keep in mind because you can yeah. watch Barbie a lot faster so you can have more screenings. Yeah. Whereas Exactly, which is why a lot of studios don't like movies that are three hours or almost at it because it cuts down the amount of screens that you can put it on each day. Yeah, you know. Um, but and also on top of that, you got to think that Bar, you're not taking kids to Oppenheimer either. Like you can take the whole family to Barbie. Mm-hmm. That's true. And people, I don't know about your screening, but 
in my screening, there were a bunch of moms who brought their kids, their daughters. Oh, their yeah. Sons. For mine. Well, well, let's talk about that. Let's mm-hmm. let's talk about your Barbie screening. Mm-hmm. Com- was it completely sold out in there? Was it normal screening? Was it Dolby? Did they have Barbie and IMAX? Like, what was the uh, how are you? How are you watching it? And what was your screening room like? Well, unfortunately, there's no IMAX where I live, so I couldn't even watch Oppenheimer in IMAX. Oh, uh, which, really? Which is a shame, yeah. Um, but Barbie, it was, like I said, it was at 2 p.m. So normally at 2 p.m., you don't have a lot of people. Yeah. But this, the room was pretty, it wasn't like completely full. Mm-hmm. But I think it was like 60%, which is, for 2 p.m. That's pretty good. You, that's great. On a on on a Thursday as well, on right? A Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, that was great and a lot of people we didn't have too many people because me and my girlfriend we I wore a pink Kennedy shirt to it mm-hmm. and my girlfriend also wore some pink. Um and there were a couple people who did dress up even in like yeah. bar dresses and uh, had pink. There was even a dad who went with his daughters and he had a pink shirt which was great. Yeah. I love that. Um but yeah, a lot of moms and there are a lot of people you, you could tell it was a very very fun crowd people had yeah. fun people made it this event and we even saw a couple of people in the oppenheimer screening really so we weren't the only ones doing the double feature over here which was that's great. awesome yeah what about your screening yeah so i went thursday like i said i think it was 7 or 7 30 um mm-hmm. and we saw it in dolby actually mm-hmm. um which was really cool and ha- have you been in uh one of those dolby cinema um screenings i'm not sure i don't think so or essentially it's just the sound is like all like on point like mm-hmm. it is just and it's coming from like every angle like literally you hear it like behind your ears up mm-hmm. there like it's very surround in that way like in the truest way Mm-hmm. um but then also the seats and stuff like shake um oh, react. I've never been yeah like they react as well and which i'll get into i was expecting that for oppenheimer mm-hmm. imax doesn't even have that um but anyway we go in there mm-hmm. we saw it in dolby which was really really awesome because the sound is like so big and there's so much music in in barbie too that it was like it made it even more immersive and especially being like watching a film that is so fantastical that feels like another world. Cause it mm-hmm. is, yep. um, it was cool to like really be immersed in that in Dolby, but it was completely packed, like completely packed in there. Um, and everyone was wearing like pink. There were some girls who were literally dressed in the boots, like the bandana, the cowboy hat, like that Barbie mm-hmm. still that was coming out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and we had, I mean, everyone from, like, older couples, like, maybe in, like, their 70s, mm-hmm. also literal babies, like, actual babies. Like, there was a baby crying oh, in there. Yeah. Well, that's the worst um, thing. It was, it, luckily, it wasn't too bad or too long. Like, it was towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, uh, it was completely packed. And I can't remember the last time like Oppenheimer aside, like where I went and like you said, where it was like full on like event and everyone was like in it. Cause I've been to some other, like what was that horror movie that came out? Was it called smile? The one where literally yeah. everyone just smiled. Okay. Wow. 
I went in that and it was packed and the crowd sucked and no one was in it. No one was reacting. It was just people talking like it was terrible. This, it was packed and everyone was just like down. Everyone was on board and everyone was having a blast. That's And awesome. I really missed that in movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in the summertime. I, I always noticed that in the summertime, there's a lot more disrespect for people in the cinema. A lot of people mm-hmm. just go watch a movie and then they, they just talk around the phone. Yeah. Which I noticed with the last couple of movies I watched. Um, uh-huh. So it's great to see people come, especially in Barbie, we had people talking. And mm-hmm. there was people in my row on the far right and far left. So it was just like people talking from both sides, which sucked a little bit. Yeah. But for the most part, people were really respectful. Yeah, Oppenheimer, though, people were just down. People were yeah. walking, ready, and it was great. So tell me about the Oppenheimer then. What time was your was your Oppenheimer screening? Was everyone, everyone you know, was it was that one more packed than Barbie? It was. Oppenheimer was completely packed. There were, every seat was taken. Yeah. It was around 8 p.m., I think, when it started. And people were just, even after the movie started, people were still coming in and yeah. trying to find their seats. And it was completely packed. I haven't seen such a packed room since Endgame, actually. Because I went wow. to the Endgame premiere and every seat was taken. It was super hot yeah. in the in the room. Yeah. Yeah, and it was the same for for Oppenheimer, which was just great to see. Yeah, and very fitting, I guess, to be in just packed into a hot room while watching explosives. Exactly on your, screen. What about your yeah, it, Oppenheimer screening? Yeah, so like I said, I went Sunday, so at the very tail end at the week of the weekend, and mm-hmm. completely sold out. The only seats that were open were those like first two rows, where mm-hmm. no one sat because it's IMAX, and you'll you'll go blind literally. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting that close, but completely packed. There was one dude who literally came in a suit. Um, it was hilarious. Came straight suited out. Um, he he was ready. He he was ready for this occasion. Um, I didn't yeah, like I, think someone would dress up for Oppenheimer, but he did. I didn't think so either, but this dude was, yeah, he showed up with his girl. His girl came in some nice dress as well, but he was just white shirt, black tie, black pants. Hell yeah. And, um, but yeah, dude, completely packed singing. I'm, I haven't been to an IMAX movie in a, a while. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was awesome to experience it in that in a massive theater and, uh, seated right in the very middle, too. Like as middle as middle you could get in that theater. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so it was, it was a damn near perfect, um, you know, viewing experience. Mm-hmm. And, um, People, people were in it. People were really into Oppenheimer, clapping, cheering along. Um, like when they name dropped JFK, people went fucking crazy. Yeah. Which um, felt like Marvel Easter egg. That was just so odd. Literally, that's exactly what it felt like. Yeah. Um, or like when Rami Malek like goes up and essentially yeah. saves everyone's like, yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Although I will say my favorite part of the entire screening was before the movie started and mm-hmm. they were showing trailers, which I don't, I'll talk about you. Maybe you saw it uh, for one of these movies. They showed the trailer for killers of the flower moon. Yep. Same here. And, and when Jesse Plemons comes on screen, someone in the back just yells nerd. And everyone no. just busted out laughing. <laughs> I hope someone that recorded like, that. 
I wish I could have got it. It was so funny. And that was my favorite part of both mm-hmm. movies, was that guy calling Jesse Plemons a nerd <laughs> in the Killers of the Flower Moon trailer. That's funny. But the trailer played for me as well. And as you know, was I Is that your first watch... time seeing it then? Yeah. I'm glad I waited. Yes. Seen on the big screen. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Just to sidetrack for a second. It looks incredible. I mean... It looks dope. I just hope it will get a cinema release over here. Because I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. It looks, holy shit. It looks so freaking good. I absolutely cannot wait. It looks awesome. October, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, hey, let's, let's go ahead and get into the, the movies itself then. I, um, you want to, you want to start with some, you want to tell the seats that moved? Oh yeah. So that was, that was in the, the Dolby screenings. They have these First off, they're just nicer seats. They recline back. You can put your legs up. And then they also shake. So I was like, oh, my God. IMAX is about to be stupid then. I was mm-hmm. like, that's going to be like a freaking roller coaster. You know what I mean? Um, and it was just the normal-ass seats. Can't, couldn't recline nothing, which shows just how you know privileged we are here with, mm-hmm. with the movies. But, um, but I was thinking about it. I was like, Honestly, if there is a Dolby screening available of Oppenheimer, I might go back and go see it in Dolby. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might low-key be – you don't have the same full-size screen, yeah. obviously, but it's still a massive screen. And But I think that immersion with the seats really um, helps a lot. And I, I can only imagine for Oppenheimer, it's probably a trip. Isn't it distracting? Because I was – thought it might be distracting and the seats just suddenly start moving or is it very well it's not so it's not they there are things at least over here called d-box seats which is legitimate like you sit in and it's like do 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 this is just like yeah this is just like there's clearly like speakers in the seats and Mm. like so it just like will rattle but it's not the whole seat is going crazy it's 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 stationary and fine it's just there Mm. are all speakers in each seat so during loud parts, it will just rattle just because of the the immensity of the sound is all. Okay. Um, but it just made it really because you're literally it's just like right in your ears and it's very like subtle noises that you are constantly hearing. It's like if you've noticed on like Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, like they they added like that Dolby surround or Dolby Atmos or whatever. And, um, so it's like when you listen to it on your AirPods or your headphones or earbuds or whatever, um, and you hear it that way, it's just that it's sort of like surround sound in your home, which all movie theaters are, I know, but Dolby is just, it's crisp. It's way more layered. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to try to see if there's a Dolby screening of Oppenheimer. I think if people only saw an IMAX, I think it might be worth also seeing in Dolby because while the sound is also obviously good in IMAX, that mm-hmm. Dolby is very immersive. Definitely let us know which one you prefer. Yeah, because um, I think I'm definitely going to go back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I have to see it again on the big screen. Barbie, I, I could probably wait until it comes out to just buy the, the Blu-ray or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Oppenheimer, I'm like, I feel like I got to see it one more time on a massive-ass screen. Hell yeah. But when... Also, oh, yeah. yeah, real quick. Also, I just want to say, also, I saw Tenet twice in theaters. So I think that means Oppenheimer is at least deserving of like five viewings. If I saw piss-ass Tenet twice definitely definitely <laughs> but but let's get to which what do you want to start with you want to talk barbie first you want to talk oppie let's start with barbie i think barbie yeah let's do it 
The way we I, both uh, Yeah. I um well first off, what were your overall thoughts on it? I liked it a lot. It was yeah. a bit different than I expected. Mm-hmm. In in a certain way. Because remember, you know when there's a movie you're like really excited for and then you watch it and then afterwards you feel a little bit empty because you're like, what now? Yeah. So that happened and then me and my girlfriend weren't really sure. I, I immediately knew I liked the movie, but I was like, yeah. did I just expect more? Or is it that feeling yeah. of emptiness? Like what now? Because I was so hyping it up. Yeah. Um, then, it's like the day after a concert when you feel just like, uh, like that post-concert depression, they call it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And we had that, but I knew I liked it. Um, but I just wasn't sure how much. And it was faster for me than my girlfriend. She took a little bit longer to really get how much she liked it. Mm-hmm. But I did then like it even more. And I've been constantly thinking about it. And I want to watch it again. So, yeah, it was it was very good. But like I said, different, a little bit different than I expected. What was what a- it that you were expecting? I'm actually not sure. I just... It's difficult to pinpoint. Mm-hmm. It was just a certain feeling that I wasn't quite sure did it deliver on the hype because I hyped it up more than I than we all maybe should because it's not the movie's fault. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the issue with with all these movies and and we've talked about that in the past like we when we talked about Into the Spider Verse yeah. and or Across or whichever one and yeah. yeah it's tough to live up to that. Exactly, but it's not the movie's fault, and I still loved it. I was just like, oh, I expected it to be this, and that's my fault. Um, but yeah. then I thought about it more time passed, and the hype sort of settled down, and then on, I then I really appreciated the movie the way it yeah. should be appreciated. Yeah, 100%. Was it the same for you, or...? I Yeah, I, I mean, I really liked it, like, even immediately... Um, I, I went with my girlfriend and, and even like immediately after she's like, that was literally like the most fun I've had in like in a movie theater ever. Um, and I probably would agree too, cause we were just laughing the whole time. I, I, I think I might have been the person laughing the most in that theater. Cause there were multiple occasions where I just busted out and it was complete silence in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was probably one of the funniest Ryan Gosling performances he's ever given. It is wow. so funny mm-hmm. um in terms of expectations i think i think i knew that it wasn't gonna be i think i knew that it was going to subvert any expectations so i tried to not have any which i know it's not like you were trying to have one it's just inevitable that you're gonna have some kind of expectation mm-hmm. um but i was just like i tried to like make a point of it like no no like just don't even think about it at all because one, when I knew Noah Baumbach was writing it, and also obviously Greta, but especially with Noah, someone who is very, like, uh, pretentious in a good way. Like, I, I'm like, there's no way this is just going to be some random Barbie, com- like, run-of-the-mill, big studio, get-people-in-seats type of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm excited with the way they took it, because it wasn't what I expected either in terms of the story. But I like that I went in blind and didn't really know the story at all. I thought it was, in fact, I honestly thought it was going to be a little darker going into it. Really? Yeah. Um, 
because I think I knew that there was going to be talks because this is another I got to get off Instagram, man, because it just it always bothers me when I see people in these comments and and whatnot, because it, it was very um, like there was a lot there. But everyone's like, oh, it's a real subtle thing about feminism and this and that's like subtle. It's not subtle at all. I think we all know this is a film about feminism, dude. Like this mm-hmm. is not like what? You know what I mean? But I think I expected something like dark, like more in the existential realm mm-hmm. as opposed to where it switched in terms of like not that it's a bad thing at all. I'm, I'm, it's yeah. a great thing to be this film that like women can look at and be like, hell yeah, like this is how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the only small expectation I had was maybe like, oh, I thought it was going to be like a dark, like existential crisis and like be almost like a weird, dark, like Wizard of Oz kind of thing, which it kind of wasn't, but mm-hmm. it was more Toy Story than Wizard of Oz. And I thought it was going to be more of the former. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was maybe the only small expectation I, I had, really. You definitely explained it well, because that that's what like went through my head because we actually watched wizard of Oz before this i saw you on log it on letterboxd yeah i've never seen it before so i heard it's it was one of the inspirations so i watched it wait hold up that was your first time watching wizard of oz first time never seen it before whoa that's crazy well what did you think it it was great especially for that time it was the first color film right I, I think it, it's it's recognized as the first one the to really bring for... about color, but I think there's been some earlier instances for sure. Yeah, the production design, just unreal. And you can see the inspiration. Yeah. But like you said, we also expect it to be a bit more, a deeper dive, which isn't a bad thing. I, I, I like that it's on the nose and not very subtle because it tells you the yeah. things it wants to tell you. Um, which I then appreciated more. But like you yeah. said, I expected it to go more in the existential, to be darker. So you definitely nailed it with that. And I that think was... it, I, yeah. yeah, and I think they did that because they knew that there is going, regardless, even though it's not a kid's movie at all, like it's, it, it is an adult movie, but I think right. they still wanted to make it so that way young girls or young kids in general could still look at it and be like, yeah, like this, like they need to be told, you know what I mean? So I think if they would have gone at it of like, no, 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 like this is not for kids, then I think it would have been that, but that's not what their purpose was. They really wanted to make it so everyone could be involved. And that's why the screening was so fun because everyone was there, you know? So it was a, it was a good decision on their part for sure to do that. Those are great thing because you have, you in some scenes, they sort of, go a little bit deeper but it's still as a whole it's for everyone like you said and mm-hmm. that's what makes it great and i appreciate it i appreciate that yeah 100 um well and and i guess we probably have already spoiled it but i was just thinking about it now it's like if you haven't seen either movie definitely de- definitely stop listening if you mm-hmm. haven't already but i'm pretty sure we've already spoiled at least both a little bit but um or maybe we haven't, but I'm sure you're probably not listening if you haven't seen it, or you probably so. have seen it since everyone has. Going um, forward, no spoilers. Yeah. Um, so what what did you think about like the casting of of Barbie and and uh, how immaculate Perfection. it was, really? Perfection. The casting was so great. Every single actor, every single actress, everyone involved was just 
so perfect. Ryan Gosling steals the show, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yes, a ten out of ten. Um, but yeah, I mean there were a lot of standouts in both films. Oh yeah, with Michael Sarah in this one. Yeah, Alan. Super funny. He was one of my favorite characters. He was so great. But Same. yeah, did you have like a favorite character or? I mean, Gosling for sure. Like it's it's an obvious one to say. Um, he was just like I said. It, I think it's 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 one of his funniest, if not his funniest, mm-hmm. performances. Yeah. Um, because it's probably the goofiest performance he's given in a way you know he's having fun he had a blast Mm -hmm. um and margot robbie this role was made for her like this was like the role for her 100 um so it was just it was perfectly cast i really like you said michael Sarah was really funny i -hmm. loved kate mckinnon as weird barbie that was a great casting choice Mm -hmm. um because she's she is so weird Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. America Ferreira, I think her name is. She oh yeah, great. America Ferreira. She was awesome. Mm-hmm. Whoever they got to play America Ferreira's daughter was really good as well. Yep. I thought. Um, and then one of the real great casting choices that I thought, which I didn't even know that he was going to be in the movie, was Will Ferrell as the head of Mattel. Mm-hmm. Really was a perfect kind of casting, especially afterwards when I thought about the movie Elf. Where I'm like, oh, he's kind of like playing the reversed version of what he did in Elf, in a True, way. Yeah. And he looks but, a little bit like the Mattel CEO, which is funny. Does he like the real CEO? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, I, I didn't even look him up. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was great. Did you know he was going to be in the movie? I did. Yeah. And John Cena. Let's not forget about him. John Cena. That's right. The little that cameo. Which I would like to I would like to make an announcement. I'm very upset with Greta Gerwig. We had like four different Dua Lipa cameos. Couldn't get me one Ice Spice cameo. Not one Ice Spice in the movie. I think that decision came later for the Ice Spice Nicki Minaj song. Did it? I think that was after. It makes it makes sense because it makes sense. I don't think Ice Spice even really kind of popped off until like maybe a year ago. I'm sure they're probably well through filming at that point. Yeah, but, because um, I remember yeah. they announced that the Barbie song, like that the one they they yeah. played, in, that it wouldn't make it wouldn't be in the film, and a lot of people were mad at it. Uh huh. I'm not sure if they just said it so people don't expect it. Yeah, but I think maybe the backlash they were like, "Oh, let's just get someone to make a new version and then include it." So maybe that's why. That yeah. Decision later, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I um yeah I was I was really looking forward to seeing my munch princess up there but uh <laughs> she did she did not pull up I was very bummed but yeah um, at least you got the cool. song That's at least you got the song and that shit slapped for the end credits mm-hmm. a lot of right when songs. that came up the whole oh, soundtrack yeah. so good a lot of good original um original songs too that mm-hmm. they were doing um. Yeah, it was it was really 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 good. Um, now, for uh, should we should we go through the plot at all for for Barbie or? Let's do it. I wanted to ask you who... what your favorite moment was, but maybe we can go through the plot and then 
Yeah. Well, let's let's run through the plot real quick and then kind of go through it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so Barbie, played by uh, Margot Robbie, she kind of opens up, and when the film when the film opens, she's kind of just living, going through like her normal daily routine, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and it's all going by just perfect until day two. Was it day two? Or like the next day when she wakes up and then all of a sudden like the water in the shower is hot. Um, she like was after the party. Yes, that's right. After that party, when, when was that? When she's like, "Do any of you guys think about death?" Was that at the first party? That's when it started. And then she went to bed, and then the next day. Okay, that's what it was. Um, but it was super funny because then her her feet were flat. She had cellulite, like a little bit of cellulite on her thigh. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when her friends tell her that she has to go visit Weird Barbie um, to go find out what's happening to her. And that's where Weird Barbie says you have to go to the real world and find the kid who's playing with you. So that way you can cheer him up or whatever. So that way you can go back to being a perfect Barbie. Um, so she gets she goes on the road to which is a very cool visual thing that they did to show her transitioning from the barbie world to the the real world mm-hmm. um which it was one of your stills i saw on uh on your ig was it two of them yeah i had the one in the car and then the one on the bikes the one on the bikes where it's like in holland that one was yeah. i loved that part that was very funny i love um, the, the space one I was yes. trying to grab onto it that also looks yes good. i'm saving that uh, still okay good i was i was hoping there was a lot of stills where i was watching where i was like i can see dino's gonna have a field day with this movie in the future yeah Yeah. um but anyway ryan goss ken um tags along he's in love with barbie barbie is not so in love with him um and he tags along and when they get to the real world they somehow disappear in venice beach which it's funny how they don't really acknowledge they're kind of like oh how did we like it, it was kind of it was very meta this movie as well. We're like, oh, you'll just appear, no questions that. Like you'll just appear. Um, so they get there to Venice Beach and they're kind of adjusting to the real world and they they're shocked to see that like construction workers are not respectable young you know men who are super nice. They're just like catcalling her and like you know trying to you know make her feel uncomfortable. Um, and while they're there, she learns how weird the real world is and how mm-hmm. unlike Barbie land it is. While Ken also realizes it's very different, but sees it as a much better place because men are in charge. That was <laughs> which so fun. I think is the best plot point slash character aspect, I think, of the entire movie. I think that yeah. makes the whole movie. When he discovers patriarchy and just thinks. When he just the- dis- best thing ever <laughs> yes i think that that is what really set this movie apart for me personally yeah. um Same. that w- that was one thing that i great jokes g- say it again it, it made for a lot of great jokes oh my god amazing and and there was so much great where he just sees them riding like the cops on horses and then he's just obsessed with horses mm-hmm. um <laughs> about the patriarchy it was just it was so funny um, but that was the one thing I didn't expect from this movie. Like how I mentioned, I didn't expect it to just be like this. I mean, I knew it was going to be some feminist thing, but 
-hmm. that take I thought was so original and so smart for Ken to go from Barbie land where he really is where the roles really are reversed in Barbie land where it's women who run it and men are kind of just there sort of just to be there. Um, So I thought that was really clever for him to go and and to discover that the real world is very much the opposite um, Mm -hmm. version. I thought that was really funny. Um, It it just made it interesting because he he wasn't treated, treated well in Barbie land because Barbie just always, he was very mean to him. And mm-hmm. then just coming there and seeing, oh, they respect me here just for being a man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was, and there was a ton of great moments um, in, in that as well, where he goes to get the judge. like, are you a doctor? He's like, no, but I'm a man. Can I speak to the man in charge? And she's like, I am. Like, can I, I speak am to the charge. surgeon? She's like, I'm the surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> um. But anyway, Ken learns about this patriarchal system and he loves it. So he returns back to Barbie land and uh, indoctrinates uh, all the other Kens with this idea of the real world and the patriarchy and Mm -hmm. completely turns Barbie land around into, you know, this Ken eccentric place, Ken centric. And uh, the Mount Rushmore of Barbies has changed to a Mount Rushmore of horses, which was Mm -hmm. one of the funniest stills I had seen from that movie Um, and Barbie's in the real world and she discovers um, that uh, that her, I guess, owner um, is, uh, is Gloria, who is a uh, Mattel employee. um, Mm. And her daughter is the one that she initially finds like at the school. Um, and, And she's kind of, the, the daughter's just like sort of shitting on Barbies and is just saying like, you're what's everything that's wrong. You're the reason women are this way. Da, 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 da. And it's kind of just, yeah, called her a fascist. That was so funny. Um, and uh, so anyway, she's, she's having um, this identity crisis because Gloria, the, the, the mom is also having that. Um, so anyway, Barbie brings them back to Barbie land Um and uh, and they pretty much are trying to overtake Ken and Ken Land or whatever they they call that to take back what's theirs essentially. And um, and also at that same point, Will Ferrell's character, the CEO of Mattel, he comes into Barbie Land also, mm-hmm. um, trying to to chase him down and, and try to get it. Um, and uh, through the use of uh, or through the help of some discontinued dolls like Adam or what was his name? Alan, um, weird Barbie. And like some of the other discontinued Barbies, they mm-hmm. manipulate all the Kens to fight against each other. So that way they can make it Barbie land again. Um, and, uh, they kind of make up at the end and, um, you know, they, everything kind of works out for the best, but Barbie decides to follow her pursuit of being a human um, and the film ends with her going to a gynecologist. Which was the craziest way to end this film. Yeah. No one expected it. And I think because before that they announced that the CEO of Mattel wanted to cut one scene out. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it's the last line. But they invited him to set and he had so much fun. He was like, okay, you can keep it in. Oh, no way. 
Yeah, because you would expect her to go maybe to Mattel and start working there. Or like she's at a job interview. Yeah. She's like, I'm here yeah. to see my gy- gynecologist. So yeah. I, what a way um, to close your film. Yeah, I love that Mattel like was just down for this. I love that they were down to play ball and they weren't afraid to poke fun at themselves and and just have fun. It's paying off big time. They're making so much money. And hopefully it sends the right message to all the studios mm-hmm. that let creative people be creative and let them take risk. I just fear that they might take the wrong lessons from this and try to release two shit movies at the same day in order to make, which they will, yeah. they 100% will. Of course, of course. Yeah. Which will back. Um, yeah, it's, uh, they'll, they'll try to push for, for anything, kind of like, how I mentioned Bird Box earlier, how after that they constantly, like that meme marketing like became a thing for movies. Mm-hmm. Like people were literally marketing their films through memes. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, they still do. To this, Barbenheimer is a great example of that. It was all like memes. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it at least was. Um, and well. In terms of, of pushing it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Did you have any favorite moments now that we got through the plot? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I really, seeing Ryan Gosling come, like, just every time that he was having a conversation with someone in the real world, where he's just mind blown, he's just like a puppy, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, they they were also funny, like I mentioned the scene earlier that I really liked a lot, where he's talking to the, the surgeon and uh and she's saying or he's saying to her you know where's i gotta speak to the man in charge and mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah those were all my favorite moments and um just the obsession with horses i, I thought was so mm-hmm. funny that was super funny what i really yeah. like is all the film bro jokes yeah the one, uh where there, there were a couple they mentioned the Zack snyder cut which yes really caught me off I yes. didn't expect that. I just came out of left field. It yeah. was very funny. And the scene where they they try to distract one Ken by saying they've never seen the Godfather. The Godfather. Genius. That was so... It was like, you have never seen it. It's the one of the best films. It's so funny. And I think... I'm not sure I have to rewatch it, but I think there was an American Psycho joke in there. Oh, was there? Was, was talking about like a musical album. Like, he was uh-huh. standing next to Ethereo. He was like, oh. this, is, this, this is a masterpiece. But I'm not sure if maybe there was just in, in my head, but... Oh, I, I didn't catch a, that either. Yeah, that was just very funny. And what I... Because now the movie came out a couple of days ago, I've seen people talk about it. And it's so funny to see the meltdown of some of the film bros because they can't decide if they like Ryan Gosling or hate him right now. <laughs> Why? Because... They love him because he wasn't drive. And they're genuinely yeah. mad he's in Barbie. They're like, how dare he be in Barbie? And their meltdown is just one of the funniest really? things. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Wow. I mean, I'm not shocked, but I, I've not caught caught on to that. I haven't caught that. They're on the internet. They, they're definitely mad. Like I said, I try to get... I try to avoid the comment. I really do think... Because I love films, all that, but really the community online is really annoying. Mm. Like, really annoying with their takes. Mm. 
And they make fun like all, of it. All film bros. Movie. Yeah, and I love that they did the Godfather. I'm glad you mentioned that because I forgot about that. That Godfather was bit was so movie. funny. I laughed so hard. It was just so great. It was and so good. When Alan fights the other Kens. Yeah. And he's just beating that ass. Beating them up. It was, and there was even a Trump <laughs> joke in there. What's when that? They're building the wall, and he's like, wait until they decide to not build it high, but like. Uh huh. He said, oh, like, that's just, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they just tried to make a like high wall, but they haven't decided to, to make it, it wide tall. at all. And wide. Yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> that was, was funny. There was. And speaking of the meta stuff that I mentioned earlier, there was a ton of stuff where they were very self-aware. Like there's the one moment where um, where the voiceover comes in, which was Helen Mirren doing the narration. And yep. she's like, note to the producers or note to the filmmakers, don't cast Margot Robbie in a role when dealing mm-hmm. with topics like this because she's talking about how she doesn't feel she's pretty or whatever. Yeah, uh, I thought that was really funny. Um, very meta. And then when they showed the the founder of Barbie, what's her name? And, uh, and she's like, yeah, I'm the founder of Barbie and also, uh, beat a tax evasion charge or, or whatever it was, tax fraud or whatever it was. Which I think happened in real life. Barbara was her name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that was the name of her daughter was like Barbara or called her Barbie as a nickname or something like that. Well, she called Barbie. Yeah. Um, but that was very, very funny. Any other standout moments in, in Barbie? Mm. Well, I, like you said, every scene with Ryan Gosling, the one in the end where he's in her bed crying and she's mm-hmm. cheering him up and telling him, he, he it's not, he, he said it's Ken, Barbie and Ken. But yeah. She said maybe it's Barbie and Ken. So yeah. he can be his own person. And I just yeah. hope get a Ken spin-off film with him trying to find who he really is. I think that would be hilarious. His musical number well. Dude, Amazing. One of the best songs ever made. <laughs> ever dropped. That it was amazing. It was great. There I'm was just singing that, and, mm-hmm. that was one where he like started off and it was like I remember my girlfriend looked she's like that's him singing because at first he's kind of like singing in, in like in cursive. They say it was like, rrr, rrr, and it's like really gruff. And then, but he he actually is a good singer, even when he's trying to not be a good singer. He still is. He always is, even if he tries to be bad. He's awesome. He's yeah. Ryan Gosling, very talented young gentleman right there. Um, yeah, the music in this was great. What'd you say? He should act in more movies than talented young gentleman he should yeah he's got potential i think i think he'll have quite a quite a good career ahead of him mm-hmm. um but yeah also i'm curious to know any other movies i know you mentioned that you rewatched wizard mm-hmm. of oz um before this did you rewatch anything else for it or think of any other movies that you think maybe these characters might like or you think would pair well mm-hmm. or anything in the same vibe i have a couple well, for Bobby, I think Clueless works well with this film. Mm-hmm. I think Barbie would also like Legally Blonde as another one. I think that also very like funny, funny films. But in terms of set design, 
I think the the Jacques Demy films, the Umbrella like Sister Borg, and I think those yeah. films definitely, in terms of like the color palette, which Greta Gerwig even mentioned on the, you watched that right? That Letterbox video, yeah. yeah. And you can tell the movies they were inspired by. Yeah, because I, I, I was I haven't seen any films by Jacques Demy. I don't think I was thinking of Jacques Tati at first, like Playtime. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, which also kind of are the same sort of vibe, very stylistic. We definitely need to watch a couple of his films in yeah. the future, especially The Umbrellas of Sherwood, because you love La La Land. Yeah. And that film is like, it's pretty much a remake. La La Land. Of, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even realize that. It's this French film and it, it looks gorgeous. It's one of my favorite films. We definitely Interesting. Need to talk about it one one day. I, I got to get on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's for Barbie. I have a couple of films that I think Ken would like. Yeah, Letterbox top four, but maybe you. Do you have any films that you think pair well? I'm I'm trying to think. I mean, I know for like some of the obvious ones, like like Wizard of Oz. But to mm-hmm. me, like Toy Story, I was like, this is like Toy Story. This movie is yeah. kind of like a retelling of Toy Story in like a weird way, mm-hmm. um, which I thought that I, I thought that Barbie would probably really like a lot as like a person like being like oh and Ken too probably they're in um, the third both both of them so oh that's right yeah that's mm-hmm. right oh we forgot yeah. about that mm-hmm. um, but yeah those are the that was kind of the first one that sort of came to mind when I was when I was watching, I feel like, like we said, it's just so fresh that, mm-hmm. that I, I, I can't really think about it fully. Mm-hmm. But I'm very excited to check it out again because I just appreciate it more. And the more I think about it, it could definitely be one of my favorite films. Yeah. Do you think you're going to give it another rewatch in theaters? Or do you think you're going to wait until it comes out? Probably not in theater because I'm kind of broke with all the films that came out. I mean, very true. I think we counted, and I think this year, and I mean, it's only July. I've been in the cinema 18, 19 times. I don't do it to you. Which is a lot, especially on a student budget. So I need to slow down a bit, at least until September, October, if the movies don't get pushed back, yeah. which they might. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Um, so would you say that Barbie. Of the 18, 19, whatever screenings that you've been to this year, would you say that Barbie slash Oppenheimer would be at the top of those for the year in terms of the experience? Top five for sure. Maybe in top three. Interesting. Definitely up there. It was a great experience. Great film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then what about uh, any any movies for Ken Mm -hmm. that you think he uh, he would really like? I have a couple, so I think he would like Top Gun. He would be yeah. in love with, with that film, definitely. Then The Horse Whisperer, because of the whole horse jokes with Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. One, maybe even Brokeback Mountain. Just two yeah, I guys. was just I was just thinking about that. Yeah, I think he would like that movie. I have feel like that? he would watch that and be like, "These guys have a real awesome friendship." One hundred percent. That's what I thought. He wouldn't even like get them. He was like, "Oh, they're very close. They're two bros." Yeah. yeah. Because even after they sing, he does the sing, and they're fighting. 
but then all of a sudden they just start holding hands and hugging each other yeah. which was yeah. super funny um have you seen that short film kung fury no it sounds really familiar but i don't i haven't seen it it's it's on youtube it's only like half an hour david hasselhoff's in it okay i'm gonna check I'm it out sure. ken would love that film it's a it's a great <laughs> film it's so much fun you need to check it out i'll check that out kung fury i'm gonna write that down so i don't forget it's it involves time travel, kung fu, sci-fi. You know what? I think maybe I have seen this. You might have. David Hasselhoff's like I think talking I've seen, car. I've seen this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. It's just completely mm. crazy mashup of genres. Yep. You go back yes. in time. Hitler is in it. The T-Rex. Whatever. Yes. It's everything. <laughs> and I, I might have to Ken, give that a rewatch. That's funny. That's a very Ken film, I think. Oh yeah, a very manly, manly film, and he would like Scarface as well. Yeah, I think just so think too. It's awesome. Yeah, those are just a couple I wrote down. Do you have any? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, well, Brokeback Mountain was definitely one that I thought of, mm-hmm. um, but I think also some very much like man's man's movies. Like I feel like you would probably watch like The Wild Bunch, and just mm-hmm. be like, oh my god, this is awesome. They're riding on horses. They're mm-hmm. shooting people. They're men, and they're in charge. Um, or maybe even something like I could see him getting down maybe with like a Wolf of Wall Street as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. Just Westerns in general. I, I think so too. Well, in keeping with uh, with our show, um, I guess we'll do it for – well, we can do it for both. So, but I guess starting with Ken, on a scale of one to ten horses – Mm-hmm. One to Ken horses. Yeah. How how much is Ken literally you? Ken is a ten out of ten. A Ken out of Ken. He is a Ken out of Ken. Yeah. Literally me, as much as it gets. How about you? <laughs> I I would say it's it's pretty up there. Maybe mm. an eight out of Ken. Okay. Because um, he's he's just he's so happy go lucky and so yeah like he's just a golden retriever. Mm-hmm. Um and and I love that. I just hope maybe I have just slightly more intelligence than mm-hmm. than Ken, just barely. But um, Ken is Kenuff, mm-hmm. and he is uh, yeah. And he is. anyone well, listening, you are Kenuff. Whatever you're going through, you can do this. Yeah. What about you? Can do it. What about mm-hmm. Barbie? On a scale of one to ten, um, uh, gynecologists. Mm-hmm. How how much are you literally like Barbie? I might give her a ten out of ten out of ten Ken as well. Maybe not. Yeah. But Barbie's yeah. up there as well. They're both very relatable. I think that I would put Barbie higher. I think the only thing that would keep it from a ten is that like, oh I just can't I guess relate to like the feminine struggle of life. Mm-hmm. But beyond yeah. that, I, I very much just relate to her in every other way. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. They're both but Ken and Ken's. They're both in Kenuff. Yeah, they're both Kenuff in this movie. was well worth the wait and had a great time watching it. And I think it was the perfect mood raiser before mm-hmm. going into the great Oppenheimer um, by our boy Chris Nolan. Mm-hmm. Um, I genuinely don't even know how to begin this part. Of, uh, of the discussion same here let's just get into it 
it's gonna get very intense yeah um i guess to spare won't do like a proper plot thing but i think the one thing at least just to mention it first and maybe we can work at it that way is Mm -hmm. i feel the film is three hours long Mm -hmm. i feel like it's the way that it's structured is the first hour is almost one film the second hour is another one the third hour is a third film and i think the best way to go about is maybe starting from hour one going through there then hour two and then concluding with with hour three perhaps that's a great way and a very great it it does feel like that so you described it perfectly it feels like three different films yeah and and i guess for those in a great way it's Mm -hmm. i well i guess before before we even get into that what what were your initial thoughts on on oppenheimer and what 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 did you think like as soon as the the credits came up and you saw that Oppenheimer title card at the end. Well, it's definitely one of my favorite Nolan films he's ever done. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most intense biopics ever made. I mean, the stuff he did there, the, the fact that so many people are showing up, of course it's Nolan. A lot of people are going to show up, but regardless, Regardless, but the way he makes these big budget studio films, but maintains his style and his, just his idea and just the way he makes these films is incredible because he he doesn't lose them. He doesn't just become a big budget studio director like some others do. They, where you can feel they're just making the movie the studio wants them to make. They're just showing up. Exactly. He just really, he has this integrity in the films he makes. It's it's unreal how he gets away with making such a three-hour-long biopic on that budget with that cast, and it remains a Nolan film. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was I, I was agree. blown away. I I agree. Pun intended or no pun intended? Blown away. Pun intended, definitely. <laughs> um, I, I feel the same way. I think it, it was another thing where it was like immediately I was like, this wasn't what I expected. And I think mm-hmm. this is a movie where I had more expectations than I did for Barbie. Probably because mm-hmm. I was more excited to see Oppenheimer than Barbie. Like if I really had to pair it uh, I mean, like side by side. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I wasn't excited for Barbie. I equally was, but maybe it was like a 52% to 48% you know, in favor of Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a lot of expectations and it wasn't what that was. So I think inevitably it's going to like make you sit there and be like, okay, what? Like, like, let me, let me just process that. And Mm -hmm. it was one of those where like, as soon as it ended, I was like, like I, at the same time, I literally didn't even want to get up out of my seat. I just wanted to sit there for the entire theater to clear out and for the Mm -hmm. credits to end. And then another part of me was like, I got to get the fuck up out of here. Like, I got to get mm-hmm. outside. I got to be in solitude. And I got to, like, think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like I said, it's only been – since I got home from the theaters is, like, 13 hours ago. Mm-hmm. And I can't I, – again, I know it's only a short amount of time, but I can't stop thinking about Oppenheimer. Even when we were discussing Barbie, I just kept thinking about Oppenheimer just in my head, like, in the back. Mm-hmm. Um I, I do think 
especially on rewatches, I think this will go down as one of Nolan's best films. And nice. in terms of expectations, I think myself included, and most people might go into it thinking that it's going to be very much about the bomb, like about like a very World War II film about the bomb, about what you don't even see it hit Hiroshima or Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. Like that's not even in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, like obviously we all knew it's a biopic, but it's a true character study biopic. Like mm-hmm. no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is as much a character study as something like Taxi Driver. Like this mm-hmm. is like in the same vein. Obviously Taxi Driver is a fictional character, but in terms of the intensity of like a study on a man, um it is it is really insane um and one thing i do want to mention that i really liked i think it's interesting the fact that this is the first true biopic that nolan's done right like dunkirk i wouldn't consider a biopic because it wasn't about any real people but mm-hmm. um it this was also like being his first biopic it was also his most surreal movie like 100 <clears throat> there was so at all like Mm -hmm. it really threw me through a loop like when you saw florence Pugh and him like fucking in the deposition um like in the little private trial and Mm -hmm. in the way that nolan like especially in that word like the background would shake and you could see everything shaking and it was Mm -hmm. showing just like yeah it it was a really an outstanding movie and i've seen some negative reviews on it which we can get into later on but i I, I can I just can't even begin to fathom. Damn, it just started storming. That's probably why my Wi-Fi is so bad. I, I can't even begin to fathom how anybody, a, 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 anyone could think otherwise. I, I mean, it was really incredible. Definitely, like I said, it's very intense, and I didn't expect those surreal moments as well, because yeah. I read some some negative stuff as well, and a lot of people complained that it wasn't enough about the actual building of the bomb. Which I would have loved to see more of that as well. I understand Definitely. where they're coming from. But the way people are complaining, like, oh, the rest isn't interesting, doesn't really make sense. Because that's not interesting to them, of course. But I thought it was so interesting just to see what it did to him. The consequences mm-hmm. of what he did, the way it affected him. He was not yeah. the same person afterwards. It ate him up. Oh, yeah. You see, in with like how we talked about each hour, he is a different mm-hmm. person. Like it's still Oppenheimer, and he's still kind of there, but you see, he's mm-hmm. he's changing in different ways, for better and for worse, in mm-hmm. each hour that goes on. Mm-hmm. It does feel, and that's what Killian Murphy does so well. He just he goes in and he plays a different version of the same character each time because. He goes through a lot of stuff and it's so much for a single man to take in. The power he had, the stuff that happened because of him. How do you live with yourself? Yeah. And that's just... And that's the thing too. You can... For people who want that, I totally get it. And I think that's like, I even had friends like that I saw with who were like, it wasn't what I expected. And they're like, I think I need like multiple viewings in order because it's like it, it it isn't about that and i think a lot of people are going in expecting it to be about that um I too. so i expect it to be a lot more because the trailers showed a lot more same. of that 
Same. So I thought and that's what's going to be. It's not a negative. 100%. And at the same time, I'm glad it didn't. Because then I was saying, I was like, you can go watch any documentary about Oppenheimer. You will learn everything there is about the way they built in all that. But I don't think you will ever get a truly like subjective experience into who J. Robert Oppenheimer was as a human being. Mm-hmm. that's what Nolan gave us. You're not getting that anywhere else. Like I saw one review, someone I knew uh, or mm-hmm. know, and I actually unfollowed them on, on Letterboxd after I read it, gave it a half a star. Mm-hmm. And they're like, boring, yawn, go read a book about it. Don't, you don't even have to go see it. It's like, what book are you going to read where you'll get this? Like mm-hmm. go, you can go read a book and learn about the historical and the more science aspects of it. Sure, of course, you'll get mm-hmm. way more out of it. But that's not what this movie was about, or else it would have just been called The Bomb. It's called mm-hmm. Oppenheimer. It's about Oppenheimer, you know? Yeah. That's true. Um, like you said, there's so many, I don't want to say generic, but there's a lot of historical movies that will just go through that specific event. And you have to think, Oppenheimer's life wasn't just building the bomb. He didn't mm-hmm. spend 80 years in that camp in New Mexico making the bomb it was he had a life before that and he had a life after with the consequences and that's what Mm -hmm. this movie showed and it had to show that because otherwise like you said it's not Oppenheimer it's the bomb exactly exactly and I and I yeah and I like I said I totally get where people are coming from because people are so fixed on their expectations like Mm -hmm. we can be sometimes too going into movies I'm sure Mm -hmm. um but yeah, it just wasn't that, um, and I and I love that. Um, mm-hmm. But it was based on a book. Did you did you look into it at all? The American Pr- um, Prometheus, that book that, that the the film's mm-hmm. kind of inspired by. Well, we can thank Robert Pattinson for this film because he gifted Nolan after they finished shooting Tenet. He gifted him the book. Really? Yeah, and then he read it. I didn't know that. Pre- yeah. Whoa! So, is the real hero of this. But yeah, he gifted him a book. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I haven't read the book, I, but now after yeah. watching the film, I'm very much like curious to check it out. I I think I might try to find a, a cheap copy on on eBay or somewhere online, um, because it, I I'm super curious because I think maybe it it might. It, it, it that might be a book where it's like okay you'll actually get insight into him as a man as opposed mm-hmm. to just about the bomb i'm sure it's a very dense book and it's probably not easy to read yeah but i can only imagine a lot, of, a lot of a lot out of it so i'm very much curious to to read it and then watch 100%. the movie after and compare it to and see see how you can make this out of that it's just yeah it's um were you so what what was your previous knowledge slash relationship slash understanding of oppenheimer prior to the movie i didn't really know a lot i mean i've heard we learned about the manhattan project and oppenheimer Uh and a lot of other scientists in school and about the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but never to this extent, especially about Oppenheimer. I really didn't know a lot about him. I know a lot of my friends 
who are also very much into movies, they read the book and read Wikipedia art articles and watched videos. But mm -hmm. I just wanted to go in with the limited information I had. Yeah. Because I just wanted to have as little knowledge about him as possible. Going How much into you, it. I imagine they probably thought, like, taught you guys in school more about it, right? Yeah, but I think the majority of my information all came from just independent research myself. Like, for instance, <laughs> I kind of took the other where I sort of wanted to learn more about mm -hmm. it prior. Um, and I kind of went through, like, a, a World War II sort of phase, like, a couple months ago, where I was sort of watching a lot of docs in that kind of time, or, like... Mm -hmm. um, or like, or, or, or like watching movies that took place, like just things like that kind of getting situated. And um, particularly one thing I did watch was the uh, Oliver Stone has, has uh, a series for HBO that it's like the untold truth of America or untold history of America. And it's like 10 or 12 parts. And, uh, and there is an episode on there. Um, it's like the third or fourth episode called the bomb. And it pretty much, it, it starts from world war one and just goes all the way through, I think, to, like, I, I don't know if it goes to Vietnam or if it goes all the way to, like, the Iraqi war or something. But the mm -hmm. episode on the bomb is very informative in terms of the actual specifics of what happened. And I, I think it gave pretty good insight. And it was cool to see it played out in person and adding more insight into things that I wasn't fully aware of as well mm -hmm. or had a very minimal um, understanding of. Mm -hmm. So you knew more about like the scientists as well, because one thing that was very interesting about my screening right next to me, there was a couple and I think they were scientists. I think they were maybe were in college studying, maybe physics because they knew a lot and they talked, they did talk during the film, but they, they whispered, but every time something came up, I just overheard them. They, they had a lot of knowledge about that. And they were even just some scientist comes and he just has his first name and they're like, Oh, that's, that's him. So they had a lot of knowledge about scientists and yeah. science, which was interesting to see Yeah, the crowd that showed up because it wasn't just movie fans. It was science nerds who came to watch yeah. this film. Or history buffs as well. Yep. Yep. But yeah, I thought that was cool. And well, I'm also curious going into this, what, what would you rank like your top three Christopher Nolan movies going into Oppenheimer before seeing it. I haven't seen all of them. I okay. haven't seen Ins Insomnia, which I'm dying to see because I heard it's great. But I've seen, I think, all the rest. Maybe his first one. What are his first two movies called? One's in Insomnia. His his first movie is a movie called Following, and then his second movie is Memento. Okay, I've seen Memento. Okay, I haven't seen Following and Insomnia. Okay, but my following top... Following is right after Memento. Okay, that's another one I need to, to watch. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not Following. Insomnia was right after Memento, is what I mean. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think it's Memento. That one is great. Inception. Mm -hmm. I think Inception might be my number or was my number one. And then, did you ask before Oppenheimer or after? Pre-Oppenheimer. Pre-Oppenheimer. Damn. 
that's tough. Let me let me just just pull up his filmography real quick. Yeah, pull it up. Got all the Dark Knight movies, Interstellar, Dunkirk, Tenet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tenet and Dunkirk, I'm not even going to mention, especially Dunkirk. I don't like that movie at all. Really? Yeah, and The Prestige I also did not. I'm, a lot of people are really? going to hate me. A lot of Nolan fans will and have come after me. I have nothing but love for the guy yeah, but, and respect, but there are a couple films of his that I do not like. But yeah, I think it's Inception, Memento, and... I think the Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah. And now after seeing Oppenheimer, does that change at all? Yeah. I think it's in my my top three. It's probably Inception, Oppenheimer, and then Memento. But Mm -hmm. it's hard because I like all three kind of equally. So you can shuffle them around. And after multiple viewings of Oppenheimer, and once the dust settles and time, you know, goes on, probably have a better a better ranking as well, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Did yours change? Or what, what was it like before Oppenheimer? Well, well number one is Dunkirk. I, I think really? I think Dunkirk is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know. Which is a movie... Really? Well, we can get into that like, later on or on a separate mm-hmm. podcast, maybe. But... Because yep. um, on first watch, I thought it was just okay. Dunkirk, mm-hmm. years ago. That's a movie where with every rewatch, I'm like, whoa, this movie is fucking crazy. It's so good. Um, so Dunkirk, it moved up to number one uh, for me within the last, you know, somewhat recently, actually, because I rewatched it somewhat recently again um, before this. And I think I would throw Interstellar somewhere up there in the top three, maybe, maybe at like number three. Another mm-hmm. one that I I like more and more with each viewing. Um, I need to rewatch it. Yeah. And then maybe, I, I don't know, I, I probably number two, I would have put like, I really liked Batman Begins, I think the most out of that trilogy. Like Dark Knight might be the best movie, but there was something about Batman Begins I really like a lot. I like the vibe of that movie like a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a great film. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that, but now that I'm thinking, I think I, I think, when time and I'm able to really rewatch Oppenheimer and think about it without all the hype, I think Oppenheimer will probably be that number two or three spot or maybe one eventually, but it'll certainly make its way in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's that for a lot of people, it's a lot of people have been saying it's one of his best films. Yeah. Um, Well, like we said, there's kind of three main parts and that first part is sort of Oppenheimer pre bomb. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have any standout moments um, or any favorite moments from that first kind of hour before he makes that move to Los Alamos and starts building the bomb? Well, one thing I wanted to say, I thought it was very interesting how Nolan made the choice of having black and white scenes to show the objective. Yes. It's not from his perspective, it's black and white. And if it's from his perspective, it's in color, which I thought was was very great. Mm-hmm. Standout scene. I don't think from the first like hour, I can't remember one scene that stood out specifically. 
I think. I would have to think about it because it's a lot to take in three hours and I saw it yeah. four days that's ago. That's true. So. And it all kind of blends together. Yeah, so that's why it's hard. But do, do yeah. you have standout scene or a moment or I uh, from from that first I mean I really liked seeing like well that one scene where it showed him poisoning his damn professor which actually did happen um that was crazy that was something I didn't know about but one of my friends who's a real history buff who I went to go he was one of my friends who went to go see it with yesterday he um he told me about that he's like I hope they put this in the movie but he literally tried to poison his professor um it didn't happen exactly about. yeah, yeah. It didn't happen exactly the way that like it was portrayed, but it it he did that. Um, so I thought that scene was was pretty crazy and very tense, very so suspenseful. He didn't, he didn't do it the way they showed in the film, but he did. How did it happen? How did he try to? Do you know it? Yeah. So he, from what my friend told me, he he did inject the apple with whatever, and he left it there. He didn't take it back. He he was very much down to just let it happen. Um, but what happened was, I guess the professor noticed, you remember how there was like kind of liquid leaking out of it still from when he injected it, I guess the professor noticed it and took the apple and got it tested. And the testing found out that there was poison that had been injected in it. And they actually tried to press charges against Oppenheimer and try to kick him out of the school. But I think Oppenheimer's dead. Yeah. I'm assuming probably the professor and him had some kind of beef prior or something um but oppenheimer's dad i guess got the dean to to let him like forget about it and stay in school how do you do he tried to kill him and they literally tried to murder that man yeah that's the thing i was saying that Mm -hmm. no go ahead that's the thing because i didn't like him at all from that it, it was immediately that i was like I don't like this guy. Yeah. Because I don't care how much how much of an asshole this professor was. Him trying to kill him, that just immediately was like for me, oh I don't I don't like this guy. I was saying this yesterday, like I didn't realize like Oppenheimer really is a complete menace to society. Like he's he, a menace. He's he out here just banging all these chicks. He's out here trying to kill his professor. He's he is a menace. Like that guy should have been stopped long ago. He's a homewrecker. Didn't he? He had an yeah. affair with this woman who had a man, a husband. Yeah. Yeah. He is He's the way man. that they treated his own kids, like just gave him away to his friend, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um like he was a high key, just a piece of shit person. Yep. Yep. Um but also a lot of redeeming stuff. And you can tell when you watch it that Nolan really genuinely loves this man um, and admires him in a way. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it comes across. And I, and yeah. I do appreciate that. That's one thing I actually wanted to, to mention because you probably noticed already, but when this, this news first dropped, we, didn't, we just heard this next film will be titled Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. I immediately thought it would be about Nolan's brother. Because no he has two brothers. One of them is his the guy who who writes uh, some of his right. films. Jonathan Jonathan Nolan. Jonathan, but they have a, another brother who is a hitman. 
what? and has killed people. And he, yeah, I'm not joking. His third brother, they don't, they have no contact with him. He, I think he's in prison somewhere in South America or something. He killed, yeah, he's a hitman. And his code name was Oppenheimer. So I thought when I first heard Oppenheimer, I thought he was going to make a movie about his brother. But probably his brother was obsessed with Robert Oppenheimer, maybe as a kid. So that's why it was interesting for Nolan. Then he read all this stuff in the book. And you didn't know this? I did not know this at all. At all. I hope I, I'm not tripping, but I'm pretty sure that's that's real. I hope people haven't been like pulling a prank on me because I've read it multiple times. Wow. That is, I'm going to have to look into that later. That is just absolutely insane. I had no idea. I did not know that. So that's why I thought it would be about his brother, but maybe there was some kind of, maybe his brother really loved Oppenheimer and then he knew him as a kid. And then he read the book and was even more fascinated with him. But yeah. Yeah. I, there might be some allegory too, even to him, like to the brother, like maybe the brother is this person who just, you know, was making bad decisions, but also, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know how, if I could actually draw yeah. a, a, a comparison there or not, but. I didn't mean to leave you speechless like that. I thought you knew, but. Never knew that. Literally never knew crazy, that. Right? I was shocked. That's wild. That. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Wow. But yeah, yeah, anyway, so th- then the second hour of the film goes from the pre of the, the first hour is kind of him all just going to school, learning, building together mm-hmm. his team. The second is where he's kind of building together his team of scientists to take to Los Alamos to put the bomb together and to mm-hmm. test it out um, at the, the Trinity uh, site. And uh, that's where you start to really see all the faces start to come into the movie as mm-hmm. well. That's where you get you know, Benny Safdie, Josh Peck, uh, mm-hmm. Josh Hartnett, uh, Casey Affleck. You get, you get a whole gaggle of people, Alex Wolf, um, a whole bunch of people popping in, Dane DeHaan in this movie, Matt Damon. I, I just, I could keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just I, I up in like Marvel cameos, people were like, oh, I know this guy. And, oh, yeah. The mm-hmm. movie is just a who's who of like, oh, my gosh, it's that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, even Benny at the very Safi end, was Benny Safi killed? He he killed. killed. He was my favorite character. I I think so too. Mm-hmm. He is so good, so funny, very believable accent as well. I thought. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I'm curious to know your thoughts as 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 a, a German. What some of the accents in there? Some of which were German, not all by German German people though. Mm-hmm. For at least from my understanding, yeah, they did a good job. There was one German actor, the one who played um, Heisenberg. Heisenberg, he's a very famous German. He was even in Army of Thieves and Army of the Dead, the Zack Snyder film. Uh huh. Matthias Schweighöfer is his name. He's a very yeah. known German Jamaican. I was hoping he would be in it more. He was just in it for one scene, and then we never saw Heisenberg again. Yeah. Would have liked to see him but albert einstein as well i don't know the actor he was also great standout he was he was so good um in that movie i'm going to look up who that who that actor is he, too he deserves all the credit he was great let's see who is that guy 
Tom, his name is Tom Conti. Um, he, he was in the Dark Knight Rises. Interesting. Um, looks like some, like, I'm not really familiar with any of these movies. He's been in a lot, but I'm just not familiar with any of them. They look kind of like B-movies, maybe. Oh, he was in Mr. Uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence with David Bowie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's Scottish. He, he, he's not German um, either, but he had a very believable German accent. He did. He was great. Mm-hmm. And then Teller, well, Teller's not German. Is he, is he like Hungarian? I think he was. There was one. Yeah, he, I think he was Eastern European for sure. Yeah, let's see, Edward Tell Hungarian. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, yeah it's, the whole cast did such a phenomenal job. There's one more I'm not I'm gonna mention later on, who was the mm-hmm. standout actor and is gonna, or I should just mention it right now, Robert. I think Dummett, I know who you're gonna say. Yeah, he's gonna win. The he was incredible. He was very good. It was one of the best performances I've seen from him in a long time, if not ever. Um, it really was was phenomenal. Another person that I want to say was a, a standout that I will not get recognized was Jason Clark, the one who plays the prosecutor in the trials. That dude was relentless. Mm-hmm. He was so believable and so good. I just immediately hated him so much. That, that, I thought, is like a great example of a true great supporting performance that won't really get recognized because it wasn't so big. Um, but wow, what a what an amazing and just an as equal part of a villain as Strauss was as as mm-hmm. as Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Yeah. And you just hated his guts. Even though I didn't like Oppenheimer, the way he yeah. antagonized him and the way he just talked to him and was like so infuriating. Because it was unfair, like the way that it was completely unfair and unjust. And Oppenheimer is a, a very morally ambiguous kind of character. Um, that, I, but I always, I always am drawn to people like that because I'm like, at least it's honest and it's not this oh perfect, you know, whatever. He's a piece of shit, but he had some redeeming qualities. He did, I think, genuinely loved his country very much, and I, I think was very passionate. Um, clearly about people because he felt a tremendous amount of guilt afterwards. Um, he, did, he wanted to do the right thing and he did try to, to so the Japanese scientists see the bomb and then mm-hmm. tell the country to stop. He didn't mean for people to get killed. Yeah. He thought he would bring peace by doing this and just everyone would be peaceful because they know with one push of a button everyone could just die mm-hmm. and there's another great moment where they didn't know if it would cause this chain reaction and just destroy the world that was and a great way, line that he yeah. that he when he said that when they're the talking way, trying to figure out if that would actually happen like that final conversation with einstein like at the end mm-hmm. there it was yep. fantastic fantastic mm-hmm. I, um, man, I'm really excited to rewatch this thing, man. I, I just keep thinking about it. I'm like, fuck, I got to get in there. I got to rewatch this thing ASAP. Yeah. What about the Trinity scene? How was that? Man, <sighs> that was something else. And it's, it's crazy. Cause I didn't think about it, but you notice it because 
Nolan sets it up in a very interesting way when they show all the smaller explosive tests prior. You mm-hmm. notice the sound is off a little bit. I never put two and two together that the sound would then hit you way later mm-hmm. in a way. And and he, he kind of hints at that two or three times prior with these ones where it's like be like, and then it'd be like a few seconds later. So the whole time when that bomb goes off, there is so much suspense and so much tension because you are just waiting for the sound to come. Like you are just bracing for it. And when it finally does, it just smacks you over the face. Mm-hmm. And um, was very, how was your screen super loud? A lot of people were like, this is as loud as a concert. I was like, I didn't think it was that loud, but it was, it was pretty, pretty loud, but I didn't think it was crazy or anything. Well, after Tenet, which was a horrible theater experience because Tenet was way too loud. Tenet, Tenet was loud. Was... I, yeah. You, do we, did do we agree first. that Tenet might be the bottom of Nolan's filmography? 100%. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to whoever likes this film. I love you. I just don't like that film because it was, it was genuinely, I wanted to walk out off my screening when I watched yeah. it, which is very hard. And I love, I, love Chris Nolan. It's no bearing on him as a director either at all, but I fucking hate no. that movie. Same. And was, I was this close because my friends were like, no, I, I wanted to walk out. My friends were like, sit down, mm-hmm. watch it. But it was too loud. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it was super loud. Also, like I saw it twice in theaters. Like within two days, I went back again because I'm like, I don't understand a goddamn thing that just happened. Like I don't understand at all. Yeah. Um, and then I went I back and I was like, I still mm-hmm. don't even under like what is this? That's what I didn't like about it because the sound was this loud on purpose where you couldn't even hear some of the dialogue because of the music and the action. Yes, and he did that on purpose. You not yeah. supposed to hear everything. But I don't like that because you you have information that you purposely don't want your audience to hear. So you, you can tell them later and then mm-hmm. they feel smart, like, oh, now I get it. But I yeah, think it's a kind of a cheap hack. It is because you also don't believe in your audience to figure it out themselves. And I just yeah. don't like that. Great film technically, but just, yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, but without that we wouldn't have gotten Robert Pattinson handing him a a book on Oppenheimer as a gift yep so this film is tied to Tenet so thank you Tenet thank Mm -hmm. you for existing and for casting Robert Pattinson (laughs) yeah Yeah, what about what about for you for that scene also I love that Josh Peck was the one who actually press the button and hand it over the keys that was funny yeah that was funny it was so beforehand a lot of people and even nolan talked about that scene and they talked about how mind-blowing it is and he wanted people to actually feel the bomb yeah i was a little bit disappointed but only because people were hyping that scene up way too much yeah because i was expecting this because they, they showed it beforehand like even i think the film opens with these scenes of this very zoomed in things happening with the bomb and yeah. the fire and 
the loud noises. And I expected more of that during the bomb scene, but I'm glad it's not. I'm glad it was the way it was. I just thought when I watched it, I expected more. I did but too. One, yeah, a little bit. But once again, my fault, not the cinema, not the, the film's fault. Um, yeah. But in hindsight, thinking back, that scene was just such a well-crafted scene because like you said you're just waiting and waiting like when is there going to be sound i thought it might just be silent but then it hits you and it really hits you it hits you hard mm-hmm. and it's it just nolan really is just a master at suspense like mm-hmm. he really is just so good at that dunkirk being probably the best example of that it, mm-hmm. you know maybe on rewatches you can agree but mm-hmm. that's it was, it was, yeah, it was a really great scene, but I feel the same way where I expected it to just be this cacophony, a tidal wave of sound, just blasting me and just every, I expected that. Yep. But I, like you said, I'm glad it wasn't, but I'm just mm-hmm. like, that's just what I expected. So when I got something different, I was like, oh, th- where, you know, but this is the thing with all, it, we, we talk about it endlessly about people hyping shit up and and it never living up to whatever your expectations are when people hype mm-hmm. things up. And that's why both these films, I think, will just keep on getting better on rewatch. Because then you 100%. know what you and you can appreciate the scenes more because you're not asking, oh, what happens next? Oh, is this going to be that? You know? Yes. And you can just enjoy it. 100%. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and good for, like, it was... A, unexpected but in a good way like this will age a lot better than something that's just like you know what i mean i mean for whatever but amazing but then moving on to part three Mm -hmm. hour three after the after the test you see that it then gets used in japan uh Mm -hmm. for uh hiroshima uh or hiroshima however you choose to pronounce that um and it's interesting that you don't actually see it. You don't see it hit Hiroshima. You don't see it hit Nagasaki. You just mm-hmm. kind of hear about it. And then the whole last hour is him dealing with that. And also him in the middle of this trial that Strauss mm-hmm. has put him into. Um, Strauss being the, the Robert Downey Jr. character. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was a nice addition that it was... Let's see what all happens after this. How did this affect him? Mm-hmm. As opposed to it ending right when he... I expected the movie to end with the bomb, and I thought the last words of the movie were going to be like, I've become Death Destroyer of Worlds. I thought that was going to be the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Same. And I think the last act, last third of the film, it drags a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it could have been a bit shorter, to be honest. The last That's... like hour? Yeah. Because that was very long, but then, but only in the middle part. Because then, in the end, it picks up again and it gets yeah really crazy. And there are a lot of great scenes, especially the one where he's. There are these people in that I don't know what it was, but they're just clapping and stomping with their feet. And uh-huh. we saw that prior. Like there was a scene early on. Yeah, where we yeah, saw yeah. yeah. And then you see, oh, that's when he announces whatever two of those other scientists or whatever they were. And that scene was crazy. It was he, the way that that was cut, the sound, it was unbelievable. Dude, it's such, it's one of Nolan's best scenes he's ever made. Yes, I agree. The way that you said, 
behind him, the walls, they're shaking. People are just stomping. The sound is so loud. He starts walking and steps on one of the carcasses of like one of the dead. Yes. Dead person. And it was, it was unreal. And then the only sound you hear is just like the little creaks of someone's foot or him like moving the podium or like a seat or like it was like, or just like his mouth, like clearing, like, like the spit in his mouth. Like it was, oh, wow. That was like a very intense experience. Mm -hmm. And someone pointed out that, I don't know if you, if you, if you saw that, they, they have the American flags. I saw that. Which I don't know how anyone actually caught that while watching because it was so quick. How do you 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 counted that? No, you only missed two stars. How? how, But I will say though, kind of surprised Nolan didn't catch on to that though. I expected him to. He's probably punching himself right now because he's he's probably pissed. He makes sure that every he's like Kubrick in that way. Yeah, yeah. Even with with uh, Dunkirk, the watches he used. The way the watch Tom Hardy's character has, it's accurate. That's the watch they used. Yeah. So he's a very detail specific person. Yes. So he's probably very detail oriented. How does one get out of Oppenheim when he noticed that? I'm not sure, but yeah. I I, I think it's just crazy that that someone even noticed that in a theater. Mm-hmm. It's not like they went home, paused, and like, oh. Let me see. How did you catch that in theaters? And then be like, oh, one, two, three, four. Maybe it wasn't a trailer or a clip that came out. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But still, that's just a safety's hand as well. Mm. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. Mm. But I did love love that part. And I, I want to do more research because I'm, you know, the whole Strauss thing I, I didn't know as much about like why he was trying to fuck him over so badly um like those are things i'm definitely gonna be interested in, in reading about and checking out but um but i do agree robert downey jr was amazing and i honestly expected him to be in more of the movie than he was it's funny like he really wasn't in it that much but his presence is so um it just looms over the whole movie Okay, so we are re-recording this part because when we recorded initially, initially we had a little audio issue. So the last 15 minutes, well, my track is just gone. So <laughs> listening back, it just sounds like we, it really did, like for this podcast, we had a M. Night Shyamalan kind of plot because listening back to it, it sounds like you just, you're just insane and you just talk to yourself. Yeah, for like 16 minutes this, yeah you just made this podcast in your head and i don't even exist so it was just lost and that's why the episode didn't come out sooner so we have to re-record the last 15 minutes yes um but luckily people are still talking about it people are still talking about barbie talking about oppenheimer so we're not too far far removed um but i i think uh, where we last left off though uh, was was talking about uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character of uh, Strauss, is that correct? That is correct. That's the last thing we talked about. Yeah, and I think we were kind of just discussing sort of um, how good really the makeup and design was in uh, in or in Oppenheimer. Yeah, um, he looked really old. He looked really like good. And I think like we were saying. Well, I don't know if anyone else heard, but I was talking to a friend of mine who literally afterwards texted me. And was like, that was Robert Downey Jr.? 
Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, that, of course it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he was completely unrecognizable in, in, mm-hmm. uh, in the film. They did a fantastic job. I'm, I'm curious to know. I didn't even look up who the, um, who did makeup the makeup artist. on, uh, on the film. Yeah. It was just makeup. There was no CGI making him older. It was makeup only even for Oppenheimer and Benny Safdie and there that scene in the end, they looked super old and looked realistic. Like that actually looked like Killian Murphy as an old person. Yeah, it was, um, it, it was really, really fantastic. And, uh, Let's see. I'm seeing just a name of a costume designer and Ellen. Uh, God, there are only so many ads whenever you pull up any of these websites. Some lady named Ellen something. Shout out to her. She did a very good job. Um, but yeah, everyone looked so good in in that film. And uh, and it's always cool seeing um, the production. So the production designer was actually watching. Uh, you know those like, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's a French like video club and they'll go on youtube and like actors or filmmakers will go through sort of like a criterion closet sort of thing do you know what i'm talking about i'm not sure actually there's yeah i I forget what it's called but um there was an episode that came out recently and i'll I'll send you a link afterwards Mm -hmm. um where where, what's that i I said please do i want to see yeah i will with with killian murphy and christopher nolan um they go through and like i said it's kind of like a oh it's called con conbini uh video club k-o-n-b-i-n-i and they go through and they talk about um you know different movies and and like i said it's very much like a criterion closet sort of thing Mm -hmm. and uh and and there will be blood came up and they were saying that uh, the production designer was the set dresser um, who worked under Jack Fisk, the production designer of There Will Be Blood. So they were able to come in for Oppenheimer and create this really insane period piece for like a very decent lower sort of budget. Obviously, this movie had a huge budget, but allocating lesser funds to that, they were able to have someone who did a really good job. Because I thought that just the the periodness of it with the production design in Oppenheimer is, is really amazing. And hearing that it's the person who worked on There Will Be Blood makes so much sense because I think from production design you can probably see a lot of um a lot of parallels between the two you know it was really spectacular just seeing that and it fit really well so the whole crew did a phenomenal job on this mm-hmm. they really did um and uh it, another thing with with this movie was uh was old florence Pugh, um which i was i was shooting a music video last week and I was working with someone on the crew and we were talking about it and he hadn't seen Oppenheimer yet. And it was actually the day after that we had recorded the first half of this episode and we're talking and the first thing he goes, he goes, yeah, so I heard, uh, you know, Florence Pugh, you see some, uh, you see some knockers in, in that, <laughs> in the movie. And I was like, damn, I, I don't know how you heard that, but, um, but it turns out that they edited, edited it quite a bit in some other territories. Yep. I believe it was India yeah where they completely like they changed it they made it so she wore a dress in a scene where she was completely nude which is crazy yeah and uh shout out to our boy at fangram on uh, on instagram he's he's the one who i think brought that to our attention uh he lives he lives in india and was and posted a still and uh it looks pretty good i can't like like the cgi looks pretty good but the fact that they actually had a CGI, like a full dress on this woman while she sat there, 
is pretty insane, but um, but I guess it makes sense. I, I think just the sensors there are a little bit more strict, yeah. And India is a big market for Nolan movies. I mean, oh, they're yeah. crazy after him. His movies do really well over there. There's a lot of yeah. fans, so it makes sense that they wouldn't just want this film to not release there. So they probably had a plan beforehand to edit that. I mean, that must have taken a while because it was 100%. done really well. And it looks so, really good. And and I was speaking of other like territories, I was reading something. Another friend sent something to me yesterday that they're saying Oppenheimer. And let me know if you have any insight on this. I don't know. Oppenheimer might not get a Japanese release. Have you heard anything about this? I heard about that, but then I also heard they change it so it will release, but I think it's still up in the air. I think they're deciding on it, but I'm not sure. I'm not. Yeah, because I was doing some research and they were saying how, I guess, and I, I never really did research into this myself, so I don't really know, but I guess they're saying Japan usually comes at the end of a film's release cycle. Like yep. that usually tends to be one of the last releases in terms of territories mm-hmm. for, for international stuff. Um so I thought maybe at first, like, oh, it's just that, like, yeah, they just get it later, so that's why it's not out. But then on some more digging, I guess it's really a thing where they're actually, like, considering maybe not putting it out, which would be kind of insane um, to not do that. But yeah. I was curious to know if you heard any of that. Yeah, I mean, I would have maybe understood it if we actually saw the bombings drop. Yeah. Because this film, it's not really american propaganda i would have, i would understand it if they saw it as that but it's about this man whom i can see yeah. why they're hesitant to show it but in the end it's history and i mean oppenheimer didn't he, he was the man who like made it but he wasn't the man responsible for dropping the bomb so exactly i'm a bit i understand where they're coming from but it's it, it'll be interesting to see what they decide on because i can yeah. I can see why they would, but in the end, I'm not, I'm not for banning movies and censorship. So I'm not, I'm not either, especially, um, it, it, especially for something that is just a historical thing. It's like, this is something that happened. We can't really uh, escape it or try to throw it underneath some rug and just hide it or throw it into a closet and forget it. Like this, this happened. No, you shouldn't. And it's, Sure, it's a nasty thing, and there's a lot of people who are at fault too. And um, and obviously in America, it's there's obviously a huge, hugely different view on that as well. Especially um, with it somewhat being of a retaliation of something that was done horribly to us by them too. So it's it's a very three dimensional thing that 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 is tough. But yeah, banning books, banning movies, it's all it's all pretty lame in, in my opinion. But I hope I hope they get to see the film and I, I hope that when they do they, they see that it's not it'd be different if it was like this whole thing like, yeah, we did it, we bombed those freaking Japanese and it's like it they, we don't even see it. Like it's not even And we see Oppenheimer react to it and he's just devastated when he hears yeah. the news and he even sees like a dead person on the ground stepping yeah. on it and Stepping on yeah. the, the the black, whatever that's that is like the thing case yeah yeah that charred body of whatever that was, which is um, really really crazy, and you see the like the effect it has on them. So yeah, I think they should just let everyone decide for themselves if they want to see it. I would understand if someone says, "Hey, I can't watch that." You know, maybe 
It's and too tough. Yeah. Or it hits too close to home. Exactly. So I think you should just let everyone decide for themselves. One hundred percent. And but that's, uh, that's how it is. Yeah, and it, and it's funny how you said you know that it's not about that either because at least here in the states there are some people in the media who are very upset with the movie because it doesn't portray it. So yep. it's like it's like oh we're we're sympathizing with what we did to them. It's like well it's that's just not what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not it's about Oppenheimer. It's not about Hiroshima. It's not about Nagasaki. It's not mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Um, so you can't you can't really appease anybody. The people will get mad that's if you true. show it. They'll get mad if you don't show it. So you you can never win. That's that's the ultimate uh, learning lesson I think from this. That's true. And I mean India found a way to not ban it but work around it and we yeah last time we we asked ourselves how did they edit the scene where we see them having sex during the trial yeah uh, which yeah. we then asked van Graham, but he didn't respond in time so um it's kind of good that this releases after because he told me that they just zoom in on florence Pugh's face so we don't see anything around it that is that's something else mm-hmm what do you think about it's, censorship like that in general? I'm completely against any kind of censorship of any kind. Mm. Uh, like even if someone wants to make like an X movie, like I go do it again. Like you said, it's like we're not forcing anyone to watch it, but I'm not going to force people to not watch it. If you want to go see it, mm. you know, but if you don't want to, then that's fine. Just don't go. Just don't go. Literally turn your eyes away. Close your eyes. It's yep. it's. I don't know if this even makes sense, but this just popped in my head. Do you remember that tweet that Tyler, the creator, made years ago that went viral where he just tweets something? He's like, he's like, how the hell is cyberbullying a real thing? He's like, bro, just close your computer. Like, just close your eyes. Like, turn away. I remember that. (laughs) It's the same thing. It's like, if you don't want to watch the movie, like, literally don't buy a ticket. Like, don't go into the theater. Just go home or go watch another movie. Simple as that. At least inform yourselves beforehand because I can see why people maybe thought it wouldn't include something like that and then drag their mm-hmm. kids to see Oppenheimer. I don't know why you would, but you can inform yourselves beforehand to see what it's about. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I, I it's don't like think... you're... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're assuming the risk anytime you go into a movie. You never know what to expect. That's what makes going into a movie so awesome mm-hmm. because it is this completely new thing and you have no idea what's going to happen. You're just going to experience it. So that's... Mm-hmm. That's the risk that you assume when you when you buy a ticket to a movie or you rent it or you stream it on Netflix or Max or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't think art should be censored. I mean, of course, there's art that is, in my eyes, not art and really gruesome. And of course, we shouldn't show people getting killed and things like that, like actually um, yeah. or other things. But this is... I mean, it's a movie where people are naked and having sex and talking and things like that happen. So I don't think if if the director wants this to be seen, then it should be in the movie and you shouldn't alter sure. with his vision, especially someone like Nolan. He's not like someone like Lars von Trier or something, you know, um, <laughs> he just makes a tour. Yeah. yeah, but well, it's a comp- I guess that's that's the thing you have to find a place to draw the line i guess right yeah in terms of what would be allowed because i there are films where it is like like we talked about this a couple weeks ago i think as well with like the simulated 
simulated sex scenes or mm-hmm. real sex scenes. And we mentioned like Sean Baker's film, Starlet, um, yep. where it is a real sex scene, not with the real actors, but it's cut in of real people having sex. And I think you had mentioned it with Lars von Trier doing something similar as well, maybe. Um, but there are things like that where it's like some people may be very offended and some might not be. And then obviously some people are very offended by even fake sex on mm-hmm. on a film, like with Florence Pugh and Killian Murphy. Hmm. But, but as long as it's consensual and it's not crossing I, I that think, certain line. Mm-hmm. I, I think you've got to just draw the line yep. like when it becomes like an illegal thing that you're showing. Like exactly. you said with murder. Like if it's like snuff where you're murdering someone, then of course that is like an illegal thing. Don't show that. Mm-hmm. But if or it's animals. two people having sex, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But if it's just two people having sex, that is not, it's not illegal to have sex. Hmm. Like some, it's just that it's a taboo thing for some people. And for some people, it doesn't, who cares? We've all hmm. seen it, you know, I'm sure. Um, so, um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting, but I'm glad at least India was at least able to find some type of way to do it. And I don't think it takes away too much from the film. The fact that they don't get to see, it's more so just like, damn, y'all missed out. That sucks. <laughs> like you said, I agree. It's, it doesn't take away from the film the film is still complete they didn't cr- cut out crucial scenes they because the conversation between them is kind of crucial and they found a way to include mm-hmm. it but just to cover things yeah. up so i'm just I, glad I guess... because I, we have a lot of friends in india and a lot of my uh, people who follow my page are from india mm-hmm. i'm just glad they got to see the movie and it wasn't just flat out banned no for sure and i think uh, now that I think, I mean, there is a certain like unsettle, uh, unsettling feeling though. Wouldn't you agree with that, with that scene? Because actually seeing it, it kind of makes it very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and you feel yeah. a little bit more of that feeling. So I guess there maybe is a tiny little bit that is missing. But all in all, at least they didn't cut out the scene. At least they just censored a little. But it would have been worse if they cut it out entirely because those are both very powerful moments in the mm-hmm. movie. That's true. That's true. But um, but yeah, uh, uh, you, do you have any uh, any final thoughts on uh, on Oppenheimer or I guess Barbie, but Oppenheimer specifically? Yeah, I remember when we recorded last time, you asked and then immediately regretted which one we liked more, um, mm-hmm. which we might not even do. Or, I mean, now that more time has passed, do you have one? A favorite between the two? Yeah. Or yeah, we- I do. I, I do have one that I do. I kind of look at them like that. I think was a a better experience, and I enjoyed mm-hmm. it more. Do, what about you? I do as well. Should we just just okay. tell us? Let's just okay. For me, it's Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it's Barbie. Like I said last okay. time, yeah. both both great, incredibly incredible films, and just such a benchmark for you know Hollywood right now, and just movies because. Like you mentioned, so many people are going to see both and it's not Barbie or Oppenheimer, it's Barbie and Oppenheimer and that's just together. It's such a great thing to see just movie fans coming together and enjoy two amazing films. And the fact that both films could not be more polar opposite from each other mm-hmm. yep. is is really exciting. Um, and, and a lot of people were saying like these could be two films that will change Hollywood all over and while I don't know that I fully agree that that will be the case mm-hmm. um, because and I'm curious to know your thoughts on this actually because I had this debate with some friends as well where they're saying that you know 
these are two like big films that um, aren't superhero films essentially was their point. And that because they're going to do so well, it will change Hollywood back over to what it was before um, with like more original stuff. But me playing devil's advocate, I came at it that I don't think it will because ultimately at the end of the day, they still kind of are the same thing in that they are using existing people or existing IP. It's original to stories, but it's not totally original. They are still banking on Barbie having 50, however many years, uh, it being in our social consciousness to sell. They have J. Robert Oppenheimer, someone who is taught in every school in most of the world, um, to sell it through as well. So while I think it's a step in the right direction that there are these things that are a little bit more unique, I still think we need some films that are 100% totally not reliant on an existing IP or existing person or event in history to really make that change. But I'm curious to know your thoughts on that or if you've thought about it or if you agree with me or disagree or or uh, or whatever, just because I was just talking about it recently. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree. I can see both sides because you can tell that there's a little bit of a superhero fatigue, not just superheroes, yeah. but like franchises and sequels in general. And yeah. I think we might see more original films in, in the sense that they're standalone films. But on the other side, we, we're seeing it right now with Mattel. They're mm-hmm. getting like the wrong, should I say, like the, the wrong ideas seeing Barbie's success because now they're like, oh, we're making a Hot Wheels movie. We're making an Uno film. We're making this and that and a Polly Pocket film, which is just announced. So, I Are think you serious? Was, yeah, it was just announced. Like, um, who's the actress? Phil Collins's daughter. Lily? Is that her name? Lily Collins? Lily Collins. She's going to be starring in a Polly Pocket film, which is probably going to be similar to Barbie, people are saying. Wow. Oh, it's directed by Lena Dunham. Lucky us. Huh. I'm not familiar with her work. Yeah, she's kind of cringe. But anyway, um, that's interesting. Were the Hot Wheels ones real and Uno? Or were you kidding about those? I'm not kidding. Hot Wheels is directed by J.J. Abrams. And he said it'll be gritty and realistic. And there, Hold on. Yeah. No, continue with Uno. That's where my mind is really... They're making an Uno movie? Well, do you want to know who's attached to this? Yes, I want to know everything about it. It'll be a, it's described as a Uno heist film. And Lil Yachty, Little Yachty? He's attached to it. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to be completely honest because it sounds so crazy. They're you making, um, you what? Heard this is in, I have not heard about this at all. Yeah, it'd be a heist film. I don't know how you make a heist film based on the Uno card game but little yachty is making that i i'm literally blown away right now mm-hmm. uh oh wow i i can't believe they're making a film about a a, a card game that's crazy Not even like <laughs> that's literally insane anyway yeah card game. it's just uno which is super simple but we'll see yeah Oh, wow. Little Yachty is helping produce it. Mm-hmm. 
That's pretty cool. Um, it sounds it's, interesting. Okay. Yeah, Uno. This is the headline I'm reading on Complex. Lil Yachty produced Uno heist movie set in Atlanta hip-hop scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, moving in a new direction. I'm excited. I mean, it sounds like something fresh. So I'm I'm all for original ideas. I I am too. Um that's interesting. That's that's interesting. I'll, we'll we'll see how that how that pans out when that comes out. Um Yeah, that's wow. I I literally I'm like at a loss for words right now. I can't believe they're making a movie about Uno. That's like crazy. I, said, I, I want the, I I want to direct a Go Fish movie. Mhm. Please do. That'd be perfect. I, th- I think that could actually work. I'm not even joking. It probably would. I probably should have kept that to myself off pod. Yeah. Like I said, I think uh, studios will both see a, like something good out of it and just owe more money. And they're probably yeah, going to announce a Barbie sequel. That'd be kind of crazy. One thing I will say, though, of something that is totally original, I and, and let me know if you agree with this, I feel like in the last handful of years the idea of like a studio comedy movie has disappeared. I feel like comedy movies are not coming out from studios anymore since like the era of like 40 year old virgin knocked up hangover movies, horrible bosses like that whole era, um, you know, get them to the Greek, all those sorts of movies. They stopped happening. But I noticed when I was scrolling through, there's that new Jennifer Lawrence movie that's out. And I think it's called no hard feelings. Are you familiar with it? I am. And I haven't I, seen it yet, but I've heard of it. Neither have I. And I've heard that it did pretty well and that the reviews are actually pretty good as well. Mm-hmm. I know and someone I think, who saw it. They said it was great, so I'm excited to watch That's what I've heard too. I'm curious to check it out. And I, I, I kind of got a thing for her too. I, I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing it. But I think a movie like that, smaller obviously than Barbie and Oppenheimer, might even be a bigger nod to, or a bigger, let me think of a way to word this, might be a, 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 a better guiding point of Hollywood maybe changing. Because that is something that's completely original and a comedy, something that's not really being made by studios anymore because you can't really sell that as well. But the fact that it's done decently well, and I'll double check that, but... Um, but I was pretty surprised by like the the reviews were were pretty pretty damn good on it. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to check it out. And like you said, those those studio comedies kind of disappeared for a while. I mean, they yeah. were huge in like the early 2000s. Yeah, all the way up until probably the early 2010s, maybe. Mm-hmm. But they're coming back, and I think I think it was Francis Ford Coppola who recently made a comment. He said. We're about to cross a new golden age of Hollywood, he said. With like the recent things that are coming out, even with Dune, for example. I mean, Dune is such a mm-hmm. big triumph for like a blockbuster Hollywood film. And it costs, I think, like only $150 million, oh Which compared to other things that other studios, I'm not going to say any names, have been putting out recently yeah. even some shows that have a yeah. higher budget that l- don't look like that yeah i mean it would be interesting to see i think that should be like a benchmark to compare it to doing someone said it i saw it online to go to that they should compare modern blockbusters to dune in terms of budget because of how well dune was executed and even oppenheimer 
didn't cost as much as one might think and most of the budget went to the incredible cost yeah cost about 100 mil that's even less than dune with a lot more moving pieces in oppenheimer i i i personally think um Mm -hmm. although i guess dune is a double part thing but that was only for part one right 150 million or whatever yeah um but i'm looking at no hard feelings now and this is kind of a shock too it it was made for over 45 million dollars that's a lot of money for a comedy that's a lot but Um, they have to so and I agree, but still, like that, oh, yeah. I don't know any of the other, the only other big name is Matthew Broderick. And he, it's not like he's really in the biggest selling person in Hollywood anymore. Yeah. Um, but it made o- over $85 million. Um, so I can imagine they probably could have made that film for probably like a quarter of that, if not more. Again, yeah. I haven't seen it, so I don't know the set pieces, but from what I gathered from the trailers, it didn't seem like there was a lot of major set pieces. It seemed just like yeah. a, funny comedy that was um, really being driven by the writing, by the script, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, when we both see it, we can talk about it again and even maybe talk about yeah. the budget again. Maybe it makes more sense after seeing it. Maybe someone who I has might... seen it can mm-hmm. tell us, but... Yeah, I might check it out this week because I have a. I think it's about to make its way out of theaters. Yeah. I think it's kind of coming down because I was just looking it up now to see the budget. And it's starting to be those showtimes where it's only like once or twice a day and it's always at like 9.30 at night or like 10.15 at night, you know? Slowly moving out. Exactly. So there's probably only another week there, but maybe maybe if I'm up late enough this week, I'll, I'll go check out one of those. But oh, hell yeah. um, let us know. But we'll see. I mean, time will, time will tell. And it's it's an exciting... It, nonetheless, this is a very exciting time to be a part of it uh, yeah. and to see what comes of this um for the better or for the worse but i think that we'll probably get some really cool stuff out of it um although i still believe that it's not enough to fully change hollywood to where i think it should be you know where it once was but uh Mm -hmm. it's certainly a step in the right direction but i know we already talked about barbie i believe on a scale of however you know one to ten um what did we do horses (laughs) um but on a scale of of one to ten atomic bombs Mm -hmm. um how many uh how how much are you literally oppenheimer zero is oppenheimer literally you yeah a zero and i think you said it last time as well yeah he's an absolute menace he is a menace to society every sense of the word Mm -hmm. and we're not as smart as him i think you said that last time we're not as smart as him but yet also somehow smarter than him in other regards yep absolutely (laughs) yeah um but uh but yeah that's uh there there it is um were there any other films that when you were watching oppenheimer you thought maybe oppenheimer himself might enjoy Mm -hmm. um or like so we talked about well i mentioned the the movie the imitation game starring Mm -hmm. benedict cumberbatch which i which i think pairs well with this one um which is more about math but still a period piece about world war and uh things like that and then there was this this film that came out recently a couple of years ago the marie marie curie film i forgot what it was called i think it's just called radioactive okay which, which i mentioned starring i forgot again let me see it's stars 
yeah, Rosamund Pike as Marie Curie and Anya Taylor-Joy is in it as well. Which and what's the movie wasn't... called? It's called Radioactive. It's a Marie Curie okay. biopic, which wasn't well received, I heard. I haven't seen it myself, but I think Oppenheimer would have, might have liked that film. Hmm, that's funny. I never even heard about this movie ever coming out. Mm-hmm. It came out, I think, interesting. right before COVID or during COVID, around that July, time. July of 2020, so right in the thick of it. Yeah, I think that's why it kind of went down. And another one was the theory of everything that Stephen Hawking film that could mm-hmm. pair very well with this one. But yeah, those are the ones I noticed. Did you have any? Any movies? Well, and I'm trying to think what I what I was saying, what I said last time. Um, I, I think Doctor Strangelove um, yeah. is is a major major one that he he would probably enjoy. Um, it's a movie that uh, is an all time classic now, and and, and at, at this point always has been kind of. But um, one of my favorite Kubrick movies, and is really. It dives into the absurdity of the atom bomb and nuclear warfare and the fact that human beings are behind this. And um, it's it's one of the all-time great satires um, ever. And, uh, and a movie that very much fits in with this. I think... Um, huh... I'm trying to think what what other movies maybe I he probably would have liked maybe that Chernobyl uh, show that came out yeah um, which I think um, um, Stellan Skarsgård was in if I'm not mistaken I never saw it but I heard it was really good mm-hmm. same here yeah um, but yeah I I think that's, that's I think it. those are yeah some of the main ones that I think he would he would really enjoy. Um, but yeah, any any final thoughts on either Barbie or or Oppenheimer? Well, two incredible great films, and I'm excited for people to have seen it or to go see it. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it was very cool talking about it with you and kind of an- analyzing the films, both after seeing it kind of recently to now a week later, uh, which was yeah. an excellent but kind of cool that we got to especially you because you watched Oppenheimer the day before. So yeah. 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 Well, it's uh, thank you to everyone for, for listening and for sticking with us after another week. I know we kind of took a week off there, but uh, Mm -hmm. had to figure out some tech issues, but, uh, but we're back and and we're happy that we finally got to finish up this Barbenheimer episode for you guys. And curious to know which, what you guys think, which one you guys prefer um you know i was thinking i was thinking maybe we should put together you know an ig page or something as well so if we wanted to get some people in the comments or some things that way you know maybe we can set something up and perhaps that will be coming shortly maybe um but yeah that's uh i think that's a wrap on barbenheimer what do you say you know that's a wrap and we have a little announcement for the podcast moving forward which do you want to explain to the audience what we're going to do Sure thing. Yeah, we um, so in keeping with the literally me mantra that we've set for ourselves, we've decided we're going to take a little pivot in in the uh, direction of the podcast and try something new out that we think will be really cool. Um, 
but in in service of our literally me lord uh mr ryan gosling we're gonna be moving um for the rest of the podcast we're gonna be moving through his filmography um through all of his major films or all the films and um and talking a little bit about the movie, but really almost emphasizing the literally me sections that we've been doing on the pod so far. So when we go through each Ryan Gosling film, for instance, um, we're going to be going in reverse order now. So uh, the next episode you hear from us will be from uh, The Gray Man, the film he did just before Barbie. And uh, pretty much what we'll do is we'll talk about The Gray Man for just a little bit. And then after that, me and Dino will each come back with just a handful of films that we think that Ryan Gosling character uh, would think, hey, those characters are literally me. Um, And we're really going to spend more time on the pod just kind of talking about various movies and suggesting movies to each other and discussing movies that maybe we just discovered or movies we both love or or whatever. But really, it's going to be more about talking about different movies all within the scope of uh, our homie Ryan Gosling and all of his literally me characters up until this point. Uh, and I'm really excited to, to see how it goes. Uh, I don't know about you. Same here. I'm super excited. I mean, I, I like the movie discussion we had and like having one central movie for each episode, but I'm very excited to do this because that way we have like a whole plethora of films we can discuss and share with each other and to the audience because it's always great to get recommendations and if you like yeah. one film or one character to get more films in that, like there are similar that you might like as well. And it just opens up like the discussion to so many more things. And I'm super mm-hmm. excited for this. And of course, Ryan Gosling, he's the goat. So it'll be cool to re- visit his films and his characters. Yeah. And, and I think both of us have seen probably the majority of his movies but I don't think either of us have seen all of them. So no. it'll be cool. And even Gray Man, a film that I've not seen mm-hmm. um, up until this past week, I did already check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, won't say anything more. That'll, you guys will have to wait for the next episode. But, yep. um, but it's cool. We finally get to complete uh, the filmography for our homie Ryan Gosling. And uh, maybe by the time that we finish that up, maybe you'll have a new movie out. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, mm-hmm. I believe that is uh, that's it. And uh, if you guys want to watch along with us, you know, check out the Gray Man. I believe that was a Netflix exclusive. Yep. Um. So if you got Netflix, throw that thing on. Get ready for next week's, and uh, we'll talk Gray Man. And you'll walk away with, who knows, maybe six, eight, ten new movie recommendations, mm-hmm. um, from it as well. So really, uh and talk about cool movies while also recommending a bunch of movies and spreading the good word hell yeah super excited and it will require a little bit more research so we might not pump out episodes every week so we might mm-hmm. switch might to every, every other week, other week. Yep. yeah something like that but we'll still be here and we'll discuss great films and have great recommendations for you guys so I'm and excited. i assure you that that extra week wait will be well worth it because you will come out with a lot of movies to check out and watch after that and you'll need two weeks to go through all of them i assure yeah. you so don't worry we'll be doing our homework we're not going to be diddly daddling and lollygagging around we're, we're going to be doing our homework and making sure we give you guys a whole bunch of movies to to uh to follow up on yeah we'll do research we'll grind that shit and we're gonna give you amazing films yes sir looking forward to it me as well do you have any final thoughts uh, 
I don't think so. I think I've said all there is to, to be said. Well, one more thing. If you're listening to this, whatever you're going through, I said last time, you can do this and you are enough. So that's go that's out there and on God. Hell yeah. Go yes, out there sir. and kill it. It was super nice talking to you. And As you know, always. this like always talking to like a big brother and these movie discussions, they they really like my highlight. And so me too. Thank you for doing this with me and hey, the, hey, I feel the same way, if not more. Uh I love getting to to talk about movies with someone who uh who also loves movies as much as I do. So it's cool to do this every week and uh or every other week moving forward mm -hmm. now. But um that's another thing. Our discussions will be even longer. So it'll be even better because we'll get to mm -hmm. be talking about like ten freaking movies now. Um, so guys, buckle in for some longer episodes here, for some road trips, for some long work days. Mm -hmm. um, we got you covered. Don't worry. That content is coming. It's coming. It's coming. So stay on the lookout. And, uh, and like I said, maybe we'll put together an Instagram page or something as well and uh, you know, get some more interaction there and uh, you know, talk to you guys on there. I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on, uh, thoughts on the pods. Uh, yeah. Bye-bye, guys. See ya.